0: Hello everybody! We are so excited to be here, you, be with you live here today to talk about Game of Thrones, the book. And uh, we are the Readers on the Wall, and this is episode 3. Uh, today we are going to be discussing the three chapters we read this week, um, and that those are Sansa 1, that's our very first Sansa chapter, which I'm excited about. Um, Eddard 3, and Bran 3, which is going to be a absolute trip, as we... Uh, <laughs> As we uh, discussed that one for you, so I thought it'd be kind of cool to um, just do kind of a general question before we dive into the chapters in the TV show. There's a lot of changes from the book into the TV show. Some we're fine with, some we're not fine with, and I was just curious what's something they changed that you were not happy about, but in the end, you're like, "Eh, that's fine. I kind of forgive them for that. I understand." There's, uh, I'll do my, I'll tell you guys mine while you guys kind of brew up well, your what if thoughts. you pick Ooh. mine
1: maybe i want to go first no. <laughs> okay. go ahead
0: okay so mine is um the one that i was upset for a long time was um basically you Greyjoy on in general <laughs> um, when he showed up i was like oh my gosh this guy is not even close to what the book is in the book he's like this he's he's basically insane he he um basically thinks he's a God and he's trying to kill all these people. And he's just this whole other level of like crazy Eldrazi demon feeling type of person. And in the show, he just kind of ended up being this, you know, punk college guy that just killed people. And I wasn't a huge like, fan of him.
1: Just like a copy guy. Yeah. yeah right.
0: I don't know. He, he, he just, I don't know. He just ended up not, not being anyone really, but the more I kept reading About the Euron in the book, I was like, you know what? That probably would not have translated very well. Like in the book, he's got like blue lips, he's got this crazy hair, he's got an eye patch, and just I was trying to think of like, okay, what would that look like in the show? And I was like, nah, that wouldn't look very good. So that's that's kind of my I forgive you, and it's fine. I won't worry about it anymore. (laughs) But uh, what do you guys got? One you wanted to share? Brooke, I'll let you go next. I'll
1: I'll let you go next because I don't want to. Pick some, because I know that you haven't read the books yet. Yeah. And so let, I'll let you go in case I pick something so obvious that you're like, oh man, that's the only thing I know or something like that. <laughs>
2: okay. Um, I was just, <clears throat> I was just going to go based off what we've read so far since I haven't gone very far in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of like, um, at first I didn't like it, but I get it. Um, the differences in Catelyn between the beginning of the, the shows and the beginning of the books. Um, I think if she continues with her irrational behavior, like she did in the shows, it makes more sense her behavior in the beginning of the books. I didn't necessarily like it, the way she kind of, you know, oh, went so bad. crazy when um, when Bran got hurt and everything, but I I get the, the descent into the, all the irrational, like, I'm going to take Tyrion into custody, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, so I kind of get the descent into that, and it makes sense to me, even though I didn't really like it, but, so that's mine.
0: Okay. Sounds good, Madison?
2: So, I think I'll go... Uh, <laughs>
1: um since you're putting me on the spot. I think I will go Lady Stoneheart. Um, simply because mm. it is such a cool um storyline and I love like the undead Catelyn, like vigilante um on a war path. I loved it, but at the same time, kind of like with your uron, I'm not sure how well it would have translated to Screen. I'm not sure if it would have been maybe too corny, too walking dead ish. So mm-hmm. I think they did the right thing because you could only have so many wheels turning on screen and keep up with everything without it seeming messy. And that would have been a whole other plot line, basically. Um, and the show could only really afford to do the North, Daenerys, and uh King's Landing. Like that was kind of like enough. Right. It already got a little messy yeah. sometimes. It's like yeah, well, Brothers especially... Banners and stuff. Like it got a little you know, so I don't think they could have afforded to throw that in. Not budget wise, but just um clean viewing style wise. Mm-hmm. So
0: no yeah it's it's interesting you put that because you know once they once they threw in the whole Dorn plot line, that's when the show kind of took this little dip. It was like yeah. And it, I just find it so interesting that T V shows can't really I don't know, they can't really do a ton of plot lines like books can. right? And I mm-hmm. wonder if that's, like, just a speed thing. You know, like, books, it's like, okay, like, you could read a chapter and read it twice, and then you understand. And maybe TV shows are like, okay, I just spent an hour and I have no idea what's happening. So right. I, man, I that think, could be the big I, thing. thing.
2: I think it's that, and I think it also is, too, like, TV, you have to broadcast to a general audience all at once. So, like, you know, there's a lot of us on the Addicts page who will – take the time and rewatch the episode and rewatch the episode and rewatch the episode where some of us just want to watch it for an hour, you know, to unwind, you know what I mean? At the end of the night, they don't want to have to worry about, who are you again, and what well, are you doing here? You know right. what I mean.
0: So, wait, Brooke, are you saying there's people out there who aren't as obsessed yeah. as we are? <laughs> right? I'm
3: like, who are I like, people? I don't want to
2: admit it, but they're out there. My husband, who them, unfortunately, and why? <laughs> <laughs>
3: right? I
0: mean, what's the point of watching a show if you don't watch it ten times? Right. That's
1: right. I mean, exactly. I can't so. comprehend what you're saying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much.
1: The other thing I would have, get, have said, and I won't go into, it, but the other thing I would have said was Stannis's character. How that's like. Like, no one who watches the show likes Stannis. It's but true. both people are like, Stannis the Manus, like. He's got a rule, he's the king. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like two completely different versions. So anyway, let's okay. move on with our discussion. All right, I'm so cool. Excited.
0: Cool. Pretty much. Um, OK, um, anybody watching, if you guys have any questions you want to ask us, um, Game of Thrones related, go ahead and message either me, Madison, or Brooke. Or even if it's a question that's not Game of Thrones related, we'll, um, I don't know, we'll talk about burritos or our favorite Spider-Man movie. Anything. I love burritos. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Me too. All right, cool. <laughs> well, we are going to jump into stanza 1. And uh, here's, a, here's a little chapter summary, one I wrote up. Um, okay, Sansa prepares to spend the day with Cersei and Princess Marcella and painstakingly tries to get Arya to accompany her. Arya says it would be boring, and her and Nymeria head off to spend time with her friend, uh, Micah. As Sansa heads back to the caravan, thinking of Arya and how she has ruined everything, and run- uh, she runs into the Queen, uh, Renly Baratheon, Barristan Selmy, the Hound, and Sir Illyn Payne. After a frightening moment, Joffrey comes to her rescue... And proceeds to whisk her away to have food, drink wine, and sing to her as they ride through the countryside. Uh, excuse me while I go throw up for a moment, by the way. <laughs> um, they come upon Arya and Micah, practicing the swords, and Joffrey starts to threaten Micah. Arya hits him across the back. Joffrey tries to kill her. My Mary defends Arya, and Arya throws Joffrey's sword in the river. What an insane chapter. I mean... There's just, stuff in there. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'll, I'll say just my first quick thought about this chapter... I find it so cool that basically this chapter is just a short story,
3: mm-hmm. basically.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, like between this yep. chapter and the next one, it's just it's got it's got a whole arc in it,
3: mm-hmm. and
0: I just find it so interesting that George can take the concept of, oh yeah, these kids were playing near the river. This jerk comes up and starts fighting him, and like that basic concept. He's like, all right, now let's make it a masterpiece of a chapter, you know? <laughs> right, and it's
1: funny how you get such different. Okay, so like Brand's chapter that we're going to read, it's like nothing happens, but everything happens. (laughs) And this is one of those chapters, like you said, it reads more like a short story where, like you said, a whole like traditional arc of a a beginning, a middle, an end. So, I mean, I love how George can do that. He's not like every chapter is identical. They're all Mm -hmm. very different writing styles. So. Mm -hmm.
0: Pretty much. I th- I think one of the big factors in it feeling more like a short story is that this is Sansa's first chapter. We're diving mm-hmm. into a brand like we, we've we've you know, she's been in scenes in other chapters, but we've never been inside of her brain like we are right. in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, Brooke, what did you think about the chapters in general? Like-
2: um, I thought it was a, a really interesting chapter. It definitely gave us more of a dynamic between Sansa and Arya than the show did.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: you got to see them argue a little bit because Arya is defiant and doesn't want to do anything that anybody tells her to do, really. <laughs> right? um, um, and it also, at the end, it definitely showed how um, ruthless um, certain people become, you know, it kind of bleeds over into Eddard 3, but you definitely see the the more ruthless sides of people as coming out, so... I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good one.
0: You know, you know. Speaking of that, that that actually can lead us just to our first question: is on a scale of one to ten, how much of a snot is Joffrey Baratheon in this chapter? I
2: mean,
0: uh, one <laughs> hundred. I mean, just the uh, actual worst. He just he blows my mind, and I'm, I, 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 especially my most cringeworthy moment when I was reading this chapter was. Uh jo- so so yeah, so Joffrey comes in and like rescues Sansa and brings her away on this little trip. And it talks about Joffrey like singing in a high, pure, sweet voice to her. And I was just like, oh, I'm, like, like, I'm <laughs> so
1: glad that wasn't on the show. I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, just Ew.
0: imagine just imagine Jack Leeson singing that, and you're just right. like because I actually I rewatched this scene just a little while ago, and the whole time I was just like, oh, Joffrey. Oh. <laughs> oh, i was just i was cringing literally the whole time yeah, i right, wasn't dra-
2: dragged out any more than it had to be in the show it definitely <laughs> yeah i got to it the point that's a little
0: quicker um i don't know, do you guys have any thoughts on joffrey's character or anything that you want to share that revolves around him
3: i i, I think
1: it's funny how he has two uncles who don't really shy away from giving him shit Oh. I love how Renly is just like, like I love his dynamic with Renly. It's it cracks me up.
2: I definitely like that in the in the books more than the show. I love mm-hmm. that whole how it was Renly who was laughing at him for losing his sword to yeah. Arya, rather than his dad being like, in a girl, you know, a girl beat you. Come on." Yeah, that, I guess that's the next
1: chapter, but it still cracks me up how he's like,
0: yeah. <laughs> Right, well, me yeah, just, too. just so everyone knows, the next chapter is basically Arya, Arya's uh, little trial, and we're probably gonna bleed into it just a little bit. Right, I, I, I honestly get them kind of like
1: mixed up in my head too.
0: I know
2: right? I do too, because they like, they just are seamless right. almost. You, you
0: know what? Here, why don't let me give a summary of Eddard three then? Oh okay, yeah, because it's probably all gonna bleed over. It's basically one little story, so mm-hmm. let me just do that real quick. So the summary for Eddard three is uh is found and brought to Robert and Cersei in front of mo- most of the Lannister host. Ned arrives, and the stories of what happened on the banks of the Trident are told. Sansa doesn't tell her side of the story, claiming she can't remember. While, while, while Robert at first declares that each child should be punished separately, uh, Cersei demands that the wolf is killed. Um, through some means, it is declared that Lady be executed instead of Nymeria. I guess they can't find Nymeria, so I guess Lady has to die for some reason. Um, Ned, Ned does the deed himself. And um, and on his way back, the hound rides up and dumps the body of Micah before Ned. Just <laughs> just, just so much injustice. Justice yeah. is kind of crazy. Oh, but, I know. but here, um here, let's let's just go back to Joffrey real quick so we can continue with the with Ready? the flow. Mm-hmm. Um I just I think it's kind of I don't know, I just thought it was kind of pathetic how so. So Santa goes up and she's um, talking to Renley and and Varys and Selmy and she gets frightened by the Hound and Sir in Pain mm-hmm. And I, I just think it's so sad that Cersei is like, hey, go rescue her. Yes, go I- go yes. for it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like she's basically like, go do it. Here's your, here's your window of opportunity. Yeah,
2: it definitely wasn't his idea because he's a little cr- shit and he doesn't love anybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's him against the world, basically. She's got to be like, okay, you should go do this now. Save a little bit of face. You know what I mean? Right. Like
0: mm-hmm. And I, I, and I, I found it interesting. So, I don't, I, I don't know if this is actually the way it, it, it means it, but when, but I feel like Sansa hears that. Like that quote of Cersei saying, "Hey, go rescue her." is in quotations in the book. So I feel like Sansa Sansa hears mm-hmm. that. Joffrey comes and rescue her, and Sansa still is like, "Oh my gosh, he's my hero. He's <laughs> just like the heroes in the books, and he saved me from these terrible people." And it's like she's really having to convince
1: herself. <sighs> mm-hmm. I think,
0: right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's right. it's not it's yeah. not a natural thing. She's like, "I'm." Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's just like that hero and that hero, and you know, she's yeah. identifying. I think it's interesting
1: her. that like they really made it a point to show that like Joffrey is incapable of making good decisions. Like, so like Tyrion had to make him go talk to the Starks and send his, you know, uh, regrets or whatever, or his, you know, his apology not apologies. that's the word I'm looking for but anyway his condolences mm-hmm. and then like he could see sansa being kind of like intimidated and everything and it took his mom going go go like he's incapable of like thinking for himself or making good decisions <laughs> uh, so yeah it's good thing he has a smart lannisters to tell him what to do
3: <laughs> right. right oh my god
2: and it also just tol- shows how like he's basically a user like sometimes he likes the hound when the hound is making him laugh and sometimes he doesn't like the hound when it's inconvenient for him and he's around just being like broody you know what i mean so it just shows goes to show that he has no feelings for anyone really other than himself
0: i i agree yeah he you know he'll no i just totally agree there um <laughs> one one uh just along that line when um a, just a little foreshadow and i think it might be there is um so um she heard the queen say joffrey go to her and her and her prince was there leave her alone i'm sure he said that very bravely and you know yeah. knightly, mm-hmm. right um and then it says uh, joffrey said um he stood over her beautiful in blue wool and black leather the golden curls shining in the sun like a crown and i I mean I might be looking too much into it but that really reminds me of his death later in the books. Um, talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, he was wearing blue with black leather, you know, that's him being strangled and his golden curls shining like the sun, like a crown. So him dying as a King. So that's just something kind of interesting. I looked at, and I was like, Oh, okay. That might be something. Um, Okay. Now I I wanted to ask you, so as Sansa and Joffrey are going on their little trip, you know, they're looking at, you know, shadow cats and he's singing his beautiful song. And I, I don't know. I just got this impression that he was really getting Sansa drunk, basically. Like, there's a few moments that she, he's just just pushing the wine on her. And I'm just, I, I'm just curious if you think Joffrey was like going to take advantage of her at, at, for in any way, or if that's just not really something that would happen. Or what do you think?
2: I get, it's I possible. get why you're saying that. Mm-hmm. It, it is possible. Yeah, I this thought crossed my as, mind for sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I took it more as like. You know, I'm the prince and in my and in my presence you can do whatever you want. And more of like a, you know, what I say goes type of thing rather mm-hmm. than and he was trying to take advantage of her. But I could definitely see where you can you can right. get to that though.
0: Mm-hmm. Most definitely yeah, I was just it was just it was just an interesting thought or thought I had. I was just curious what you thought of. Yeah, the
1: thought crossed my mind for sure.
0: Mm-hmm well cool um okay so I, th- I think we've i think we've shamed joffrey enough
1: <laughs>
0: so <It's> never enough. <laughs> um let's see so okay well, hold on i'm in the wrong thing real quick um okay so let's see you know what? let's let's get to the meat and potatoes question that i had for this chapter so in this chapter i feel like the general consensus is that we like Arya stark a lot and we also don't like sansa a lot like at all in this in this so why do you think that is like what what has what has george r r martin done in this chapter to kind of steer us towards liking Arya and not liking sansa
1: well i think in general people especially in like modern our day we are conditioned to always root for the female heroine who is the anti-princess the anti-traditional girly girl you Mm -hmm. know we're conditioned to root for the you know the 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 adventurer the brave one the and um you know i I commented this on our written post back on tuesday i believe it was Mm um I always take an issue with this because in the end, Arya was being just as crappy or crappier because, you know, in the end, you're a child and you still have to do things you don't like sometimes. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. You don't get to run
1: around and be a little shit and, <laughs> you know, go against what your father and your Septa, who was, you know, who was in charge of her has asked you to do for the day. And whether you like it or not, I'm sorry, refusing an invitation from the queen is a big deal. So I hate that. I'm I mean, not I hate, but I mean I don't like the fact that Arya is so glorified in this chapter, while Sansa is like, you know, made out to be. I mean, and again, Sansa has her issues, especially mm-hmm. young Sansa. You know, mm-hmm. she is so caught up in you know this fairy tale with the prince that she's obviously missing major clues that like this is not a good situation for her. So mm-hmm. neither of them are like all that at this point, but they're young children. But I just I do. I feel like we're we're conditioned to to root for aria and like aria and we're conditioned from the beginning to have a mm-hmm. bias towards Sansa. When in the end I feel like they're both just trying to be true to themselves. Um which mm-hmm. I think that's what should be celebrated. Like we shouldn't celebrate somebody just because they're a tomboy or just because they um are unique. Um, sometimes we should celebrate people just because they're being true to themselves. So In the end, especially in the end, like in the show, I think it goes to show that both of these girls ended up, you know, following their heart, getting what they went after, um, coming out on top, being smart, being brave. Um, They just had very different stories that got them there. But I don't think it legitimizes one over the other. But I think it does Mm -hmm. help that um, Aria was one of George's favorite characters. And I think he definitely shows that bias in his writing. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. It's his story. It's his character. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, He can do what he wants and I'm fine right. with that. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to, I want to touch back on um, what you said about, you know, you know, like just because you don't want to go into the, into the cart with Cersei and have lunch with them. Doesn't mean you can just say, no, you know, you, you know, right. you're a kid, you need to listen to your parents. And I, I, I remember, um, so Sansa goes up to Arya and is like, "Hey, you have to come, you know, to this thing with me. You got to get dressed up and so on and so forth." And Arya is like, "No, screw that. I'm not going to do that whatever." And then Arya says like, "Oh, I hate the queen." Like I don't like her at all. And Sansa has this, you know, like, "What? Like I can't believe you would say that." She and I beautiful. Yeah, right? right? The thing is thing is like the first time I read that, I remember being like, "Oh my gosh, Sansa, just chill out." But honestly, if you think about it, like people die for yeah, saying things like
2: really that. Yeah, allowed to say that, it's yeah. Cool. <laughs>
0: yeah. <Hashtag> treason. Exactly, <laughs> like, like, that's the thing, like Sansa's reaction should be our reaction. It's like, right. whoa, like... Like, like who like, do you think you are, Arya? Yeah, it's like, people, yeah. people literally get killed over the, this, and honestly, it kind of shows even throughout this chapter. I mean, <coughs> when, when Joffrey shows up to Micah and Arya's, you know, sword, sword fighting, like, Micah is just scared out of his mind. I mean... you he
1: knows that's the prince.
0: Exactly. Yeah. He knows he's the prince. He's. he's he, Ma- Micah knows that he's doing, you know, it's like, okay, this probably isn't something I should be doing, you know, sword playing with, you know, a, a, you know, a lady of house Stark. And I mean, I mean, it even mentions like Arya's bruised and hurt mm-hmm. and I'm sure Micah was like, I'm totally dead. Like I could be killed for this. And mm-hmm. for Arya to kind of just kind of throw that out willy nilly, it does show a little bit of disrespect, I would say. She just doesn't have that (laughs) thought process in her brain, like, whoa, I gotta be careful what I say. Well,
2: I wonder if that's part of their conditioning, because being so far in the North and Ned being warden of the North and everything, they're kind of like basically the Northern's version of king and queen and prince and princesses and everything, so she doesn't really need to be afraid of anybody at home. So I almost Mm. wonder if that's conditioned by her almost being like a princess of the North. She doesn't have to be afraid of what she says about anybody, because they are it.
1: Mm-hmm. But on that same yeah. note, she was raised. Well, they attempted to raise well, her. Very the yeah. <laughs> She should have had the manners, but it must oh, have yeah. just been pure DNA. Like her Lyanna Stark blood just mm-hmm. made her a rebel. Because it's not like Catelyn or Ned or Septimor Dane or any of those people encouraged her to be belligerent and rude. <laughs> like right. That, right. that came from her will because um, that wasn't taught to her, even though they were in the North and they may mm-hmm. have been a little backwards, they still had mm-hmm. manners and they knew about, you know, how you talk about a queen or how you talk to a mm-hmm. prince. There still are some rules, whether you're from the North oh, or yeah. or you think you're a princess yourself. So I'm like, I'm a mom. I'm like, I'm sorry, young lady, no exceptions for that kind of behavior. <laughs> pretty much, pretty
0: much. Um, No, no I, I think part of it also is the North does feel very separate from the South you know Mm -hmm. like the south i I don't know like when i think of the south i think it's more close together like you know you gotta be careful to stay down there but the north is like this basically this completely other continent that feels so far away plus Mm -hmm. it's about the size of the south you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so that 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 could be another factor in it um i did like your mention of you know the liana's blood basically in aria there's a couple hints throughout this chapter about that um like the the big one was, um like Sans Sans is basically saying like, oh, writing's terrible and you know nature sucks and I don't want to deal with it. And it talks about how Arya goes into the swamp and she brings these flowers to Ned. <laughs> and I think it's just a little hint towards you know Sa- you know Ned always said that Lyanna was so fond of flowers and that she mm-hmm. loves them. And you know I'm sure when Arya brought those flowers to Ned, like. Ned just had these flashbacks yeah. and saw Leanna in Arya. And I think that's why, why he was so accepting of those flowers. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Sansa's looking at it and is like, man, she should get punished for that. You know, right. she's, she's yeah. getting dirty. She's riding off the place she shouldn't be, but Ned's just like, yeah. this is great. I love my kid. Like,
1: right. Yeah. It, def- it definitely explains his soft spot for her because you know, she looked like his sister and she obviously acts like his sister. Um, and it could also explain why John has a built-in soft spot for her, because you know they you know, that's, that's that's the likeness of his mother, whether he likes it or not, or mm-hmm. knows whether he knows mm-hmm. it or not. A Subconscious connection that John like and that. Arya have, because Arya yeah. is almost like Lyanna reborn, is kind of how they, how they portray her.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I, I like that. It's a great thought. Um, let's see. I just had. I, I just made a little list of how different Arya and Sansa are, which I think is what kind of leads to us liking Arya, not Sansa. Um, just cause they are opposites in the, in these areas. Um, Arya is very accepting of, of low-born people. She hangs out mm-hmm. with Micah, they're friends with her. A San- uh, young Sansa does have some class discrimination in her. I mean, sure. you know, she, she's just like, why would you want to talk to any of these people? They're all terrible people and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. <laughs> um, Arya is, is a tomboy. She's, she, she doesn't like anything pretentious. She doesn't like anything formal. In, she's in more eff- relatable. Yeah, yeah but, you, know? you know what? I like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, she is more relatable because I don't know. I feel like the general population aren't pretentious and aren't right. you know high class, however you want to say that. Mm-hmm. And so when we meet somebody like that who thinks they're high above us, it's just like, dude, back off. Like they're <laughs> no better than I am. And I, and I, that's part of the reason because Sansa does have this sort of pretentious feel, like she, you know, wants things formal, she wants things to go nice, and she feels like things should go nice because of her status.
3: Right.
0: Um, I think that really shows when, when, uh, uh, when Arya is you know beating up on Joffrey and Sansa screaming, you're spoiling everything. You know, I, I don't know. I feel yeah, like she was this- like,
1: "This was my perfect day." And yes. Really spoiling everything. Like it's all about her. <laughs> Hello. Yeah.
0: Oh, no! Which is crazy because it's like, okay, look, your sister just hit the crown prince. She could be killed over this, and you're worrying about this nice, Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just kind of let's see. Um, I, I have two more here. Um, Arya enjoys nature. Sansa doesn't, and I think I think that just kind of goes along with the kind of the pretentious high class sort of thing as well.
2: Um, going on that though, I think it's interesting that Sansa talks about how boring it was traveling and everything, and Arya is talking about oh all the things that she saw when she went out, and then. Santa turns around and while she's out on her day with joffrey they go explore caves and they go track a shadow cat and everything this is like, like a, a
1: girl who's dandy. pretending to be somebody yeah. she's not for a guy oh. Like, oh my gosh i love star wars <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no
0: that is that's so true because i mean especially like um especially when joffrey's like oh let's go riding she's like oh I love, riding. Yeah, I <laughs>
3: love riding. you can't
0: get me away from them and it's just like <laughs> oh, killing me You're killing me um let's see I think another part of it is, is um they're both kids but Sansa is basically trying not to act like a child yeah. and mm-hmm. Arya is just kind and of embracing, embracing it, it. Yep. yeah she's like yep. look I'm a kid I'm gonna go out and explore I'm gonna get dirty and I'm not gonna worry about all this <laughs> you know high class stuff
1: yeah, there's times I uh, have a lifetime of that ahead of me. Like I'm gonna enjoy being a kid, and that's uh-huh. endearing. That is endearing.
0: I, I like, agree. I agree. Love
1: childhood. Yeah.
0: So yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's just a good natural. That's a good natural way for George to to steer us towards liking Aria.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um. Do. You, um. I asked this a little bit ago, and I don't know if I don't know if I got responses. I forgot to check. Um. I just want to. do, Is there any similarities between them that you guys can think of? Like I know it's kind of tough. Um, I like one of them. I think Arya and Sansa both um, appreciate their direwolves and mm-hmm. love them. Yeah, they love yeah. their dire wolves. Oh yeah. yeah. I think that's really cool. I like. I also like how. So, let's see. Like Ned talks about how Lady has she takes on the personality of Sansa, and I think that's the first time we see like oh like these wolves and their owners like basically their personalities are kind of meshing and becoming the same. And I just, I think that's kind of cool. Just a I don't know. It's just a nice connection there. Um, I guess, I don't know. I guess that's, Oh, I guess the other one I could think of, it might be a little loose, but um, one of the big things about Sansa that everyone talks about is how she does live in the stream world. She lives in this fantasy. She relates people to all these heroes in the stories um, and I feel like Arya does that slightly too in this chapter. She talks about how she's like, Oh, me and Micah are gonna go find, you know, Rhaegar's rubies that yeah. were mm-hmm. smashed and thrown in the river. And it's like, okay, well, they're not gonna be there. It's been 14 years, and of course it's not gonna be there, but she still has this fantasy of like, oh, I'm yeah. gonna go find these rubies.
1: Right. And
2: yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah, right. And I think Yeah, I, I think the fact that they are both maybe just they have no clue because they're children and because they've been sheltered in the north, they both have this completely um unrealistic expectation of what it's going to be like in King's Landing, even though their expectations are different.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, or what life could have been like in King's Landing. Um, and they, like you said, they're both dreamers. And you know, Sansa, she sees it as, oh my gosh, I'm going to marry friends and my life is going to be perfect as long as my sister doesn't ruin everything. Like <laughs> it's a fairy tale. Whereas um whereas Sansa's or Arya's dreaming is Different dreams. It's more about being Nymeria, the warrior princess. And um, like, it's different dreams, but they are both like, you know, I'm going to be like this. They have this idea of what they're going to be like. And again, that could just be childhood. You know, (laughs) that could just Mm -hmm. be all kids are like that. But that's something that I would agree with you that they definitely have in common is living in a dream world that they are unfortunately about to be rudely awoken from.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, honestly, the first chunk of this book is just basically, hey, all these dreams and fantasies people have, we're going to destroy all of them. Mm -hmm. Because... I think that happens. That happens with Arya. I think just kind of gradually throughout the story, she just realizes, like, wow, people are freaking terrible, and I'm going to kill them now. <laughs> <laughs> then he got then he got Sansa with Joffrey going crazy on her and treating her like garbage later on. And she's um, like, "People are terrible. I'm never
1: going to trust one again." Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think you have John, who, when he arrives at the Wall, we'll get to that a little later, but I his know. his views on I the know. Night's Watch are totally different. Um, I would even put Ned in this category, Um, especially in the next chapter. He just has this idea of who Robert is that, you know, things are going to be okay when I get to King's land, it's going to work out. And then it's just totally shattered in the next chapter. Mm -hmm. One
1: thing I think is really kind of fun, but kind of maddening about these first, I mean, obviously the first half of the book is every chapter is filled with situations that you go if this one thing had been different, I wonder how it would have changed the story. Yep. And it isn't really it's not, the rest of the books aren't necessarily like that because this whole first half of this book is setting up everything mm-hmm. that happens. I mean, you could you, I mean you could find five in this chapter probably. Whereas like if Arya had just gone, you know, if, if, if the three knights hadn't shown up and right. Cersei went ahead and went forward with her little tea party in the carriage house, what would the whole story look like different? Right. So if if brand you know don't give okay, we'll talk about that later, but like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. You don't get that throughout all the books. I mean you do to a point, but with these first yeah, no, several I totally get chapters. To. I mean, there are a million teeny tiny things that you go, "Oh, if Ned had just worded it like this instead of this, I wonder if the whole story would have been different." Right,
0: and I, I think I think it's mainly just because it is the beginning of the it's story. The the, it's the yeah, setup. It's the it, setup. Yeah. Know. Well, well, it's honestly, kind of heartbreaking when you're like, "I could no. stop you." I, could, <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know. I know. I could fix all of this. I, well, <laughs> on, honestly, like, in my is in, in my opinion, like. The, um, going back to the prologue of this, of this book, I feel like the prologue of, of Game of Thrones is really the prologue for the whole series. And then mm-hmm. I feel like the first book is basically a prologue to the rest of the books. You know what okay, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just because that's, that's when everyone's separated. You know, Arya goes off on, on her journey. Sansa's in King's Landing. Ned's dead. Catelyn's here. Rob's there. You know, that's when everyone just breaks apart.
1: And this book is full of introductions because we have characters that we haven't even seen their first POV chapters yet. So oh right, yeah, it's still introductions and just really figuring out, you know, the stuff we're talking about right now. Like what is this person's personality? What are their motivations? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Most definitely. Um, well, um, do you guys just have any other thoughts on this chapter that you want to share? Any miscellaneous thoughts that you guys have?
1: Um, so I we talked about this earlier, and I'm going to go ahead and use this as a segue. One of the yeah. questions you had asked was about how do you think, or why you know what what clued um, Lady into the fact that Sansa was so freaked out about Sir Ilan Payne, mm, and why do you think she was all that? So that question. Um, so we wanted to go over like what are the actual differences between some of the magic powers, not going fully into the magic system of this. Of this world.
0: Yeah, we, we don't but, go too
1: deep. <laughs> uh, definitions, because as we get through these chapters and especially into Brand's chapters, it's going to raise some questions about some of the magic abilities. Mm-hmm. And I do think that question kind of ties into this. So, um, within Game of Thrones, at Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, um, you have skin changers, and you have mm-hmm. orgs, and you have green seers. And so, um, by definition, skin changer, that's someone who has the ability to take over the mind and the body of an animal or manipulate animals. And a good example of a skin changer would be Orel from the Wild Links. And mm-hmm. he, okay. I think it was it was an eagle or a hawk that he. Uh,
0: yeah, I think it's a hawk that, hawk, he, yeah. that he can so skin I don't, change into. We don't
1: know that I know of that he had abilities to. Um, Skin change into other animals, but from our perspective, we saw him um, skin change into that bird many times. Um, mm-hmm. But a warg, and I think this is a common misconception a warg is a skin changer who is specifically bonded to a wolf. And so a lot of times oh. people use the warg as a definition, like, oh, Bran should warg into a dragon, or Bran should warg into Hodor right now.
3: Right. <laughs>
1: warging is skin changing into a wolf. And that's throughout the fantasy genre in general. Like other other series, talk about wargs, and so um, um, the my theory, and I think you guys, I think it's almost kind of a known thing. I don't think it's a, a, a agree or disagree thing, but mm-hmm. um, all those all, we know that all the Stark children are connected to their wolves. And mm-hmm. it's mentioned how, oh, it's just so convenient that they were all the same gender and they were all, they all just fit their personalities. I don't think that's any type of a coincidence. That okay. is a low-level warging. Not all the stark children were aware that they were had warging abilities. Mm-hmm. But all stark children were able to warg with their wolves. Yeah. And I think some examples of that would be because um, again we unfortunately don't get to see Lady again after these chapters. <laughs> Who, <laughs> but why?
3: Wait, yeah. why, why, why don't we? <laughs> oh my gosh! Spoiler alert!
1: Uh, but I think um, obviously Sir Ellen Payne made um, Sansa very uncomfortable. And I think it was just simply for the fact that he was the king's justice, so he was supposed to be a terrifying man. And so right. she picked up on that pretty quickly. Well, Lady picked up on the fact that she was uncomfortable. And so that's why she starts growling and getting her hackles up. Mm-hmm. And another example of that is I do believe that Nymeria attacked Joffrey as a subconscious command from um, Arya, mm-hmm. And so those are some examples of the Stark children warging with their wolves um, without knowing that they had a quote unquote power. But if you have a dire wolf, you are connected to it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause uh, it's kind of like a uh, mother of dragons, like those dragons aren't going to let anybody ride them. Well, those, if somebody else had found those dire wolves, they would have eaten them, you know, right. and stark have warging abilities and it's an ancient stark trait. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one is green seeing and uh, green seeing is having dreams or visions about the future. And then as you become um, more accustomed to it and more in tune with it, um, translating them and realizing that it's not just um, figurative. And, of course, the, the best example of a green seer would be, in my opinion, Jojen Reed. Um, because not only did he have the visions and dreams, but he knew that there was significance to them. Um, so, again, I'm not going to go super far into it because that's not what we're talking tonight. But I especially wanted to highlight the difference between a skin changer and a ward.
0: Love it. No, so th- thank you so much for bringing yeah, that up. Yeah, thank you
2: because I really, I had no idea. Now that, you know. So. Yeah.
0: educated. Now we know. <laughs> um, I, no, br- bringing up that uh, encounter between Lady and Cyril and Pain, I find it kind of interesting that, like you said, like the like um, the direwolves and the Starks, they all kind of connect connect to each other. They bring on their personality, and I just find it interesting that Lady gets very vicious and you know growls at him, and it's like you can I don't know. I can't imagine Sansa doing that. So I don't know if that's like
1: her, her like I
0: mean, that's her inner, her inner anger coming out, or maybe it could just be, you know, lady herself. Like I'm protecting my owner, and I'm just being a natural, you know, wolf, wolf right now. <laughs> right, you know, right. I, no. So yeah, thank thank you for bringing that up. Um, let's see. Um, so an- another thing, uh, one thing I want to bring up about the chapter, just little miscellaneous things. One of them was, I, f- I thought f- I. L- Um, This carriage that they're traveling in, it's this giant thing. It's a huge burden to Robert. He wants to burn it down, basically. I want to
1: see pictures of it.
0: Oh, I know, right? (laughs) Um, I I find, basically, I kind of find that the carriage almost represents Sansa's personality. You know, like, there's no, it mentions a lot in this chapter that the carriage doesn't have any windows. And I feel like, at least at this point in Sansa's life, that's who she is she's very looking inner towards herself. she's not worrying about what's outside um, it's this high place of ability. you know not anyone can walk in there and she wants to be a part of it. i just I thought that was kind of a cool little thing um, so I, I want to ask you this um, why do you think Sir Ilan Payne came with the escort party like I, I wonder I, that i, mm-hmm. I would, so I think it's more of a meta thing, but I was just looking at it. And I was like, okay, this is a really weird, like, like you got, you got Renly, you got Stan, you got, you got Barrison and then you have the King's justice. And I just can't really imagine, imagine them sitting in the small council and they're like, Hey, we should send an escort party up there. Who wants to go? And Ellen Payne's like, totally. Like I want to go. Why not? <laughs> um, I'm
1: down for a road trip. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be great.
0: Um, I don't know. I just, I found it really strange. And I was just wondering if you guys had any quick thoughts about that. Like is that Yeah
1: it didn't I mean, make uh, sense to me either. I figured he'd kind of have a stationary post at the, <laughs> right? the capital. Yeah, um like,
2: you're, he's only used when called upon, you know what I mean? And,
1: and it's not like either a- Renly or Barrison would have been like, you know who we should bring? Ellen. That yeah. guy. <laughs>
3: he's he's great. a,
0: sweet road he's trip, a right? Well, because I was I was trying to figure out what it could be, and I was like, okay, maybe it was a message, but like the last big message we got was Danny getting married, which was already given to them early, you know, back in Ned's last chapter. Um, I think it might have just been I don't know, in terms just kind of from a writing perspective, I think George he was writing this chapter, and I think he realized, like, wow, when I get to King's Landing, I'm gonna have to introduce like
1: Lot of eight, like eight True. new characters
0: like I'm gonna have to introduce Renly Barriston, Varys Littlefinger Pycelle and I think maybe he was just like okay I need I need to introduce these guys spread out yeah. a little more I think
1: it was just neat and tidy that way because yeah. it already is a lot to meet Peter and Varys and Pycelle I think at least as a like I remember the first time watching it rewatching so i could make sure i understood everything i just saw so Mm -hmm. from a reading perspective sometimes you just see so many names and you're like how am i supposed to remember all these names so i think it was just a logistics thing from a writing perspective
0: yeah now if you want to get now i i don't subscribe to this at all and it's a rabbit hole i don't want to go into but if you want to get real deep you can be like oh cersei brought him up there to kill lady way before all this happened but i don't I think that's
1: actually yeah. true. <laughs> Cersei just knew she was going to
0: kill somebody. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I just got this feeling. I got stuff. to do it, and I need it. a bigger sword to do it.
1: Ugh. I'm excited about some of the questions you have for the Eddard
0: chapter, though. Yes. No. Yeah. We can jump jump into that. Did you guys have any other thoughts about this chapter specifically, or not really? Okay.
1: Nothing that I uh, wrote down, though.
0: Okay. So. Sounds good. Okay. So we're going to go into Eddard three. This is when um, Arya is found um and brought before cersei and the king um just one thing i wanted to note before i forget it um i I watched this scene in the show and it pissed me off to no end that when ned arrives in the castle he has to like shove the lannisters aside to get to his daughter i was like i was i was just watching i was like you dickheads like just Mm -hmm. move out of the way um okay cool so anyways um Sorry, my first discussion question I had on this is, do you think that the location of the trial um, had been different? Do you think it would have had an effect on the decision? Because the location of the trial is in this stuffy castle, surrounded by Lannisters. The Queen is there. Joffrey's there. Robert's there. You know, I'm just wondering if if he's a prior. So,
1: so... The the Starks are outnumbered and uncomfortable because of all the Lannisters are surrounded by and all the king's party that they're surrounded by, but mm-hmm. the king himself is uncomfortable because he's in a home that he's not welcome at. Right. So he's in the home Ooh. of what was the name of?
0: Uh, it's oh. Derry. It's a uh, so, yes, Lord yeah, derry. derry
1: Yeah, no Targaryen supporter. And he thought he mm-hmm. fought for you know the Targaryens during the war. And just
0: and- a, just a cool little thing about that is we know that because it was uh, Willem. Derry, I think, who is the one who brought Danny across the narrow sea to Bravos. If you go back oh, and read yeah, Danny's yeah, chapter,
2: catch that. It, it's a cool,
0: Ooh. it's a cool little connection. I, I love when yeah. authors do that when it's like, okay, that makes right. sense so because we, that just we shows too that he wasn't way. just
1: he didn't just fight on the king's side because he was like, Oh gosh, you know, I don't want to defy the king. He truly believed in the Targaryen rule. Okay, right. so like enough so that he smuggled a princess. Um so again, he lives under the king's justice, but he is not, he is a known robber. He's the one, he's the ones that calls Robert usurper. <laughs> uh-huh. So, right. So yeah, just any time when everyone's grouchy, so they're overcrowded. They've been there longer than they wanted to be. You know, half of them hate this half, half of them are hated by this half. And so when you're grouchy, you're going to make, it's going like, to, situations like this are going to be, way worse so if they had waited and this had happened closer to king's landing and they were able to do it you know in robert's comfort zone i think it would have been i do i do i think when you're grouchy everything's worst case scenario and i think everyone was grouchy at this point
0: pretty much well yeah what would you what do you want to say before? oh i was just
2: gonna say um two on top of that everyone's already tense but then um being surrounded by Lannister soldiers, it's a lot harder to talk to Robert one-on-one. And I feel like had they not been surrounded by all of Cersei's soldiers, that he may be able to have overruled Cersei and convinced Robert to be like, you know, this was just kids being kids, just like Robert said, you know, we'll, we'll go our separate ways. I'll discipline my kid, you discipline yours, and mm-hmm. we'll go from there. And I think if had Robert not been surrounded by the Lannisters, he maybe mm-hmm. would have seen Ned's
0: point. I, I like what you said there. So I think even if, like, okay, so if Cersei wasn't there at all, Lady wouldn't be dead, period. Right. Oh,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And even if um, late, even if it was Robert, Cersei, Ned, and Arya and Sansa, just them, I think you're right. I think Robert would have just overruled her. Yep. I think, I think it was. I think it def- <laughs> Yeah, right. I think it definitely was that tension, you know, that caused him to just be like, you know what, Whatever just do whatever you want to do and just get out of my face. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, it's, I mean, just even the wordings of how Robert is, you know, he's, is talking about, he's slumped in his chair. He's irritated. He snaps at, you know, pretty much anything anyone says. He's just like, whatever, just don't talk like that. What shut up, you know? Um, so yeah, I, th- I think definitely the atmosphere had a huge impact mm-hmm. on it. And I, I don't, I found it so, it, it's really frustrating because when, Robert decides like, okay, Ned, discipline your kid. I'll discipline mine. And he said it in such a final tone Mm -hmm. that I was Mm -hmm. like, all right, it's done. And then even even when Cersei was like, oh, well, we need a wolf dead. Oh, we can't find the wolf. Well, there's another wolf. And then even after that, Robert's sort of like, we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to do that. And then he's like, all right, fine. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it's so frustrating. Like, Like, why do you think Robert gave in? Do you think it was just because he was irritated and just wanted to get out of there?
1: I think he wanted it to be over with. And I don't think he has much of a spine. Like, I don't think he's a good man. I mean, I mean, I don't think he's like a villain, but I don't think he's a good man. He's not a stand up, honorable. I mean, again, I know that the word honor gets overused, but I don't think right. he he really knows what he believes in, in anymore. Like, he just wants his days to be as easy as possible. He wants to get through them. And get back to you know drinking and whoring and whatever he does like this ha- fact that mm-hmm. he had to come in and do some king stuff just irritated the crap out of him especially the fact that it was his damn kid that caused it you know I think he mm-hmm. was just so irritated by this um, go ahead
2: oh I was gonna say too I think going on that I. Think he was just like, well, I already went against Cersei once. Like, I'm never going to hear the end of it. I might as well give her something to, right. like, you know, to like compromise. Up. Yeah, right. <laughs> it makes a good
3: marriage.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's so frustrating. <laughs> oh my word. Um, no, I think that's. I think those are great answers. Um, it, it's just so sad to see him fall like that. Um, yeah. So I actually kind of want to go back just for a quick second because I, I think you're right. I think Robert. So, when Robert became king, we don't actually have a ton of, like, history about his reign right afterwards. I'm sure there was some tension in the beginning, but as far as we know, it was pretty dang peaceful for a long time, Mm -hmm. up Mm -hmm. until the Greyjoy Rebellion. And I think that was kind of the wake-up call of, like, wow, like, shit still happens. And, you know, I I think that's kind of what made him, like, hate his position as being a king. Right. You know what I mean? Because because if you think about, so I'm gonna go on just a little tangent here. If you really think about it, Ned and Robert saw each other during the Greyjoy Rebellion. Mm-hmm. So at that time, Robert was still kind of in his prime, like in his prime kind of. He wasn't totally fat and totally, you know, giving into his desires and drinking and whoring during that time. Because when Ned sees Robert again, he's like, "Whoa,
3: right? He's kind
0: of totally different." You so, got that. Uh, so I honestly think I think the Greyjoy rebellion was what sort of sparked that like Stuck wow yeah right he's like wow like my peaceful reign isn't peaceful anymore and I had to I had to get all these people to go fight the Greyjoys and I, I you know people died and I had to kill people and things aren't working the way I want them and yeah I th- I think that was just the spark of him of him you know falling Yeah basically. I agree mm-hmm. I would good. agree with that Yep good sweet sweet um also because
1: I think because Ned is surprised, like it wasn't like, oh. well, you know, I saw him nine years ago, and he was already kind of, you know, going downhill. The fact that he was so shy, I think you're right, because he's like, I just saw this guy less than a decade ago, and right, he was fine. right, and I think that's why he's so like taken aback by, is he's like, are we talking about the same guy here? Hmm.
0: Okay, I had a, I had a thought. Oh yeah, okay. So since we're talking about, um. This, the, the, the decision that Robert made. What do you guys think about the difference between the show and the book? Um, I feel like in the show, when Robert declares, like, okay, lady's going to die, Ned is just like, you know what? You do it. If, 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 if you're going to make this call, you do it. And you take care of this. You take, take responsibility for your own actions. And the show, I don't know, like, I don't have a problem with it at all, to be honest, but in the show it was very like, is this really what you're asking me to do? And it was this almost like pleading. I know,
1: and I I never, I never disliked it in the show. Like I never watched the scene and was like, I never thought twice about it. But reading it in the book, like it's kind of hot. Like Ned, stand up for you know, Like I I liked it. He took charge. Mm. You don't see that out of Ned a lot, and I feel like it kind of maybe a flashback to Ned in his prime. Like getting up in his 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 bro's face and being like, oh, if you're gonna talk the game, you know. Maybe you should swing the sword. You know, if mm-hmm. you got your executioner there, when was the last time you acted like a man and, and backed up your word with some actions? Mm-hmm. I, I, I was like, kinda,
0: yeah, right. I, I, I think it's kind of cool that Ned is just like putting Robert to his standards. On like,
1: the spot, yeah. Like, like you know, it. I liked it. do what
0: I would do. Yeah. Like, Brooke, did you have a thought about that?
2: I agree with that. But to the show's um, side, I liked the hurt that you could see in Ned. Oh, yeah. Like I thought it was more like kind of portrayed in the show than it was in the books. Like it really, it basically was like, this is not the guy that I knew anymore. I don't know who you are. I can't believe you just did that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the show conveyed it easier than the book did.
0: Yeah. And, and honestly, I think part of the reason why they went with, with a more sympathetic, you know, version in the show, I think it was because. They Kind of gave Ned a little <laughs> more humor in the show. Yeah, they made it more, it was more personable. Yeah, it was more personal. And to me, I feel like there was more of a broship between Ned and mm-hmm. Robert in the show. Just a little, you know, just a little more than the book. So I think
1: and it did show it did point to the fact too that he was physically exhausted. Like he was defeated not just in the courtroom that day, but just physically, he just didn't have it in him. Well,
0: mm-hmm. it's true. It well, even mentions Ned how they've been searching three days for her mm-hmm. and it talks about he hasn't slept the whole time. So that, that probably is right. a big factor in him. Just like, I'm pissed off. Like, I can't believe this is happening. And that maybe that's what kind of brought out that anger. Mm-hmm. Towards Robert. Yep. Um, okay. Let's see. So the next question I had is, okay. So do you think Ned should have broken the patrol between Sansa and Joffrey over this? And, and just to add to that, do you think Ned, do you think this is a big enough thing that Ned should have just turned around and went home? Okay, so
1: uh, do you, I, I have an answer, but do you go want ahead. to go first? No, okay. go ahead. So I have, I feel like there's, it's hard to answer this because I feel like there's a hindsight answer. Mm-hmm.
3: Right. And a,
1: yes. and, a, and a logical as a parent answer. And then I think there's the right answer. And I think in hindsight, obviously, yes yeah, would have been a I, good choice. Yep. I, I think as a father, the initial reaction would have been yes. Um, to cancel, to call it the betrothal. But in reality, it would have been a bad choice because the whole reason he agreed to the the betrothal and the whole reason he agreed to be the hand of the king and go was because he truly believed that Robert was in danger. Mm-hmm. And so Sansa and Joffrey's um, betrothal was almost more like a placeholder. It was a foot in the door. I don't know that him and Catelyn ever truly... Um, really intended on, maybe not C- Catelyn, of course, she b- believes that her children will be royalty, but mm. I don't know that Ned ever truly believed that that betrothal would go through, because he knew that something mm. bad was going on with the Lannisters and King's mm-hmm. Landing, and he thought that you know, Robert was in danger. So he needed to be handed the king, and he needed for Sansa to be betrothed to Joffrey for him to be able to figure out what was going on. So he had, just like he had to tell Aria, like, listen, your sister had to lie. Um, she didn't have a choice, you know. Calling the, the crown prince a liar would have been a bad choice. Mm-hmm. He kind of had to continue to play along with it too, because calling it off right then would have been a bad choice because that could have potentially started a war between, mm-hmm. you know, you know, if he had refused. So I, I was talking to my brother earlier, and I put it this way. Um, to put it into perspective, what a big deal it was. Do You remember in the beginning of the book how um, Rob, um, Ned wanted to take Robin Aaron as a um, foster. And Robert was like, You can't because Tywin already offered. And the fact that he offered is kind of sealed the deal. It would be extremely insulting for you to then, therefore, foster Robin Aaron. Uh-huh. So imagine that level of seriousness, but taken to a yeah. betrothal. Right. To- between the most important house in Westeros, the most powerful house in Westeros, well, arguably, biggest, and the crown prince. That would have been the biggest insult, period. Like, that would have been means for an eventual war because they would have severed ties. And then if they sever ties, then you might as well declare yourself a kingdom in the north, you know, like if you're not loyal to the king, you know. So I just think it would have been a bad idea. Because especially mm-hmm. considering his intentions was not to make a queen of his daughter. His intentions was to see what was going on and protect Robert. So.
0: No, that's, that's great. Good that's, thoughts. That's, what about you,
2: Brooke? Yeah, that's kind of what I said. In hindsight, obviously, you know, it, it would have been a good idea to just pick up and leave. But as much as it hurt Sansa and Aria and Ned, everything that happened. I don't feel like it was a big enough reason to be like, Nope, I'm done. I'm going home. I'm going to break all my promises that I just made. And this great. is it. We're done. Mm. I just don't think it was as, as tragic as it was to read and watch. And you know, it hurt everybody. I don't think oh, it was me. a big enough reason.
0: No, those are, those are great thoughts. Yeah. Honestly, I think, I don't know if it, I don't know. I could be bold and say it almost. It might have strengthened his conviction to get down there because the big thing, the 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 thing that made Ned go was was uh, Catelyn basically said, "Would you leave your your friend surrounded by Lannisters?" You know, he was just like, "Do you re- are you really going to send Robert back down there to be surrounded by people who want to kill him?" Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Maybe probably afterwards, once everything calmed down, maybe Ned realized like. This shows me that Cersei's manipulative, Joffrey's a terrible person, and I can't leave Robert down there like that. So I don't, I don't know if right. it strengthened yeah, it, but true. maybe maybe that was just his thought, his justification of like, okay, I can't, I can't break this, I can't go home, I have to continue onward.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, I had a question for you guys, and I do think okay. it kind of plays into your last question because you had a question about. Um, like, what does this chapter tell us about Robert's relationship with Cersei and mm-hmm. the Lannisters? And this is a question I probably should have asked a couple of weeks ago, but it just now came up in my mind. Um, considering what Robert's apparent relationship with the Lannisters is, and how he... Um, how high he jumps when Cersei tells him to, why do you think, after John Arryn died, that Robert didn't ask Tywin to be Hand of the King? Mm. That would
0: That's good. Because,
1: I mean, uh, because first I don't know, of all, Tywin has job experience. <laughs> right. And he obviously likes to give the Lannisters what they want. Like, it's the easy way out. You almost think she would have been like, listen, like, just give it to my dad. That way you don't have to go all the way to the north. You don't have to try to convince somebody who obviously doesn't want the job. Like, this is way easier. And it makes sense. Like, Tywin would have been a good hand of the king. Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, uh, other than the fact that it would have pushed His agenda Mm -hmm. further but like honestly as far as the job description goes he probably would have done a great job so um why do you think they didn't ask
0: tywin so i would say that um so as we know later on joffrey basically joffrey assigns tywin to be hand of the king Mm
3: -hmm. and
0: tywin actually turns it down and gives it over to Tyrion, which is an Awesome part of the books. And I'm excited to get there. Right. But but isn't I think,
1: that just because geography-wise, he was well, I think war? Well, that's that's the
0: thing. So at this time, there is a plot to kill to basically get Robert off the throne and put Joffrey on there. And mm-hmm. I think possibly, I don't know, maybe Robert even suggested it. And Cersei, I think Cersei would have turned that down and basically because she knows, like, okay, I can't have, I can't have my dad as the hand of the king because he's gotta, gotta control you know, the Westerlands, he's got to lead the army. He knows what's going to sure. be happening. So that's a possibility answer. I mean, honestly, I doubt Robert likes Tywin very much. Right. I he, think doesn't that's like thing. He, he doesn't like Jamie either. He doesn't like
1: Cersei like, either. It's like, he doesn't really like about to like give him. Jamie, Warden of the East, you know? Yeah, like. I, don't, I don't know. Maybe he just,
0: I, I don't really have a good answer. I mean, it might just be like, like Tywin's got so much power. I don't want to give him more. Because Robert sure. doesn't want his throne to be taken over. What I don't—it's just so—it's just so tough to think about it because it's like, okay, he didn't give the hand of the king to Renly or Stannis, which would have would have, you know, settled the Baratheon rule in Westeros even stronger. Yeah. But and then he was thinking about giving it to Jamie at one point, and then he gave him Warden of the West, and the, you know, and all that crap. And it's just—I don't really understand what Robert's doing. You know, it's yeah. like he wants—he wants. Yeah. This, he, he wants he, he obviously wants to stay as king or else he would have just ditched and left. Yeah, But I, I don't know. I think it's either in the show or in the books so or probably both. I think part of the reason – the reason why he doesn't just leave is he's like, I just can't imagine leaving the Westeros in the hands of the Lannisters. Which, is, yeah. which like I said, it kind of contradicts because he gives, gives so much power to them anyways. Right.
2: <laughs> I almost – my thought was maybe – because Ned had was a mentored by John Aaron, just like um, Robert yeah. was that maybe Robert was like, you know, I need another John Aaron. And so the closest thing to John Aaron yeah. would be Ned. Um, that's good, that. So that was, that's my thought maybe is just that, you know, John Aaron led to Ned. And then once Robert had made his decision about Ned, that was it, you know, we know how mm-hmm. once he makes a decision, he's done right? and over with. So,
0: well, okay. So now also think about this. So let's throw it, let's throw a little finger into this whole thing. <laughs> Because Littlefinger basically orchestrated pretty much all of this. Like, he's the one who killed John Aaron. He's the one mm-hmm. who sent the letter to them saying, Hey, John Aaron was killed by the Lannisters, which is false. Who knows? Littlefinger could have been like, Hey, bring Ned down. Like, let's he get him down here." I thought that
1: Ned would be. Easier to control and or get out of the picture than Tywin
0: would. Exactly. Well, well the thing is, Littlefinger wants contention in in Westeros. He wants a war to start, and he and he basically his thinking is if I get the Starks and the Lancers fighting, that's gonna gonna you know start the the dynamite mm-hmm. and it's gonna blow up. Because the thing is, this when when Cersei and Jaime are having their conversation in the Broken mm-hmm. Tower, he, she basically says like I, I thought you I thought he would have gave you the hand of the king position. So it was assumed that Jaime was gonna get it. So mm-hmm. I think basically Ned is this huge wild card to the Lannisters. Like, whoa. Like, like we had this plan. From? Yeah. Right. Like yeah. we had this planned out. Jamie was going to be handed the King. That was going to give us to a better position to take over. And now Ned's down here. And I think that's ex- just exactly what little finger wants. He knew like, okay, if I bring the Starks down here, it's going to disrupt the Lannisters plan. They're going to fight. And then a war is going to break out. Mm-hmm. So that's my thing. I think little finger might mm-hmm. have whispered in, in robert's ear but
2: definitely possible it is a possibility
0: for sure um okay cool um let's see i think we covered yeah the the relationship between robert and cersei pretty pretty good um Mm -hmm. okay why do you think cersei wants lady dead so much like that's the first thing she says she's She's like (laughs) (laughs) she's a terrible person that's that's a good answer that is a legit (laughs) answer um like yeah what why 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 couldn't she let it go
2: Um, my, I had just written down that other than just being ruthless one, you know, she is a mama bear and a wolf attacked her son Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, she, she wants some sort of justice for that. And I also think it was just kind of like a message to Ned, like you think that you might have some, some power coming down here and trying to uproot me and my family, but let me tell you, I'm going to nip it right in the bud right now. Um, so I think it was a lot of, it was a message to Ned and the Starks, like, you right. might think you have an advantage here but you definitely do not.
0: Mhm.
2: Yeah,
1: she didn't want the wolves there in the first place, so I mean, yep. get oh, one yeah. out. And also, I think I think she probably reveled in the symbolism. Like watch a lion take out a wolf real quick. You know, Ooh, I think There mm-hmm.
0: you go. I like that. And I that. think yeah, I yep, think she just yeah,
1: like you mess with me and my family, like I will just pluck you out one at a time.
0: Mhm. I like that. Those are good thoughts. Um, okay, is there any any other miscellaneous thoughts you guys have? I have a few that I wanted to go over, but do you guys have any just random thoughts you want to share about the chapter?
2: No, not yet. Not yet? I,
0: um... Okay.
2: One thing that I noticed was that um, when Cersei was calling for the wolf's pelt, she offered 100 golden dragons for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go back to um, Bran's assassination attempt, he was only offered, the assassin <laughs> was only offered 90 gold or 90 silver stags. Mm-hmm. And oh. Catlin was like, well, at least I know that my, my son's death wasn't uh, a cheap price or, you know, or something like that. Wow. It's that's... Like, so it's almost like, well, maybe the Lannisters didn't send him because why would they only offer the assassin 90 silver that stags is... instead of 100 golden dragons? Very I perfect. like that.
0: I like that. I, I, that. Wow, it's kind of a weird insult. Also, <laughs> yeah, know?
2: yeah, like mm-hmm. this wolf yeah, is worth
0: more than a child's life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I like that. Good, good catch. Also, along with that, I wonder if Robert part. I wonder if a partial reason why Robert gave in to Cersei was because he didn't want that hunt to happen. You know, Cersei's like, "I'll give a hundred golden dragons whoever kills that wolf." He's like, and, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Yeah, he's just like, "Look, <laughs> yeah. I don't want, I don't want all these people hunting through the woods trying to kill this wolf and all this, you know, just, you know, it's one of those like, it's getting too crazy. Let's just simplify it." Yeah, you know, that's true. So I think that might have been a small um, reason why he gave into that. Um, okay, okay. I so I didn't realize this on my first reread. It was probably my third, third or so reread that I realized this that. Um, Sansa actually tells her side of the story to Ned before the trial. Yeah. Okay. So I want you just to put yourself in the shoes of Ned. He sends Sansa in knowing yeah. like, okay, she's got the, re- she has the story, the true story, and she's going to tell it. And then she's silent about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just well, like, what's going through Ned's in, mind.
2: Cause in the show, they don't do that. In the show, Cersei brings her in and That's makes her true. tell her side of the story.
0: That's true. You know, I actually, true. I
2: like
1: she's, that because she's like all your first witness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Boom. Well, that also
0: in the show, that kind of just adds to the Cersei being a manipulative thing. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, who knows Cer- Sansa could have gone up to Cersei and told her the true story. And then she's like, no, nah, you're not going to say that. Ooh, right. Like, That's, I don't know. I just, I want to keep an eye on it. Cause I don't know this for a fact, but um, I feel like after this, Ned doesn't have a lot of interaction with Sansa. Cause I, mm-hmm. I doubt. I don't know. Probably not purposefully Ned is ignoring her, but subconsciously, I'm 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 assuming Ned's He's pretty mad. You know,
1: disappointed. Oh, I, yeah. I don't think he is. I think this mm-hmm. is one of our first clues of Sansa being smart, because
0: okay. now, now, actually, I'm glad you're bringing this up because that was a question I had that I forgot to ask. Well, so because and I think Ned
1: recognizes it. He tells Arya like, "There's no way she could have told the truth. You mm-hmm. cannot call the prince a liar." Like that would have forever affected Sansa and jo- Joffrey. Like, let's say they had a yeah. chance of having a normal, good relationship. Like that would uh-huh. have been a massive rift in their relationship because in in front of the king and in front of Renly, who was already making fun of them, in front of all these people. Except for I guess Renly left, didn't he? <laughs> he showed himself no. out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in front of you know, all the you know, an entire court, um, you know your betrothed. Pits against you and calls you a liar and lets everyone know that a girl beat you up and threw your stupid sword into the river. Like it would have you know, been a bad I think I think in the end, as much as I can't stand it, I do think Sansa probably did the right thing.
2: Not the it, right thing,
1: it, but the the, smarter the smart thing.
2: thing. Well mm-hmm. it is true too because she doesn't just come right out and say no, they attacked yeah. Joffrey and everything She's, else. She's just like, Well, I don't know. It was it she pleads fast. the best.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, basically.
2: Yeah. So, <laughs> so she didn't really she didn't necessarily incriminate Arya, but she didn't necessarily say that Joffrey was a liar either.
0: Right. That's true. No, that, that that's pretty good actually. And I, nobody I, I coached like that reason. Her.
1: Nobody to our knowledge, nobody coached her to do that. She right. She mm. thought this through and wow, I really don't want to throw my sister under the bus. But right. at the same time, like this would not be smart
0: for no, me to. I, I, I do like that because it it is insinuated that let Sansa, because because Ned knows the true story, so that means Sansa came to Ned, and I doubt I doubt Ned let Sansa out of his sight. To be honest, right?
3: But, mm-hmm. You what? know,
0: like at that I mean, point. just just in those three days, he's like, this is a tense situation. I need my daughter protected. He probably gave her over to his house guard to say just keep her here keep her safe mm-hmm. yeah i'm gonna yeah, go for search for sure. my daughter um okay let's see i got i got two more things and then we'll get into brand's chapter um <laughs> oh wait no i think i have three things one small thing i just want to say i love jory cassell in the show and in the books like especially in the show i was watching him and he's just so protective of them like so let's see Jory. what I, I can't remember the exact word, but but Ned ba- Ned basically leaves to go kill Lady and the first thing Jory does is he just shoves Sir Ellen Payne aside and like You know, puts his arms around around the the Stark daughters to protect them, and I was like, "You are such a bro!" Yeah, Yeah.
2: and you can tell how much the girls like him too in the show because Sansa like literally just starts sobbing into him, like grabbing his shoulder and like pushing herself into him. So you can tell that the girls love him just as much as he loves the girls. She's able
1: to be vulnerable with
0: him. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah that that is a a minor character who deserves so much. (laughs) You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, Okay. Let's see. Okay. The other, the other thing I wanted to bring up. So another difference between the books and the show is just the order of how things happen mm-hmm. in the show. Ned's on his way to go execute lady and then the hound rides up before that yep. and dumps, you know, and basically walks by with Micah's body in the books. He kills, kills lady. And then Micah shows up.
3: Yeah,
0: And I'm, I'm just wondering if like, is there a difference? Does it matter that they switched it? Does it change how it feels? What do you think? But does like does it matter at yeah, all? I think,
1: it, I think on screen it just made it was just a better flow, mm-hmm. um, so it wasn't so choppy like back and forth and stuff. But I do, I felt I felt even more bad for Ned um in the book because he had just done something. I know. Right? Oh, like I he know. Had already broke his heart and like totally like he just had all the wind knocked out of him. And just when they thought his day couldn't get any worse, <laughs> yeah, yes. he's right? like, are you? hitting me like that is I mean I, I think in the store, in the um in the book it probably tugs at your heartstrings a little more but in the show I think it just made it was smoother transition that way
3: mm-hmm.
2: I also felt like the show almost made it seem like lady being killed was the the sacrifice that it took to wake Bran up because this yeah it's, and not that maybe they even meant to do that but that's just the way it felt so mm-hmm. if they would have
0: yeah. 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 I've yeah, I've read a couple things about that. I personally don't think it has any connection. I think it just was kind of a good flow mm-hmm. to, you know, this big thing happens and then this next big thing happens. Right. But who knows, there's probably a theory out there about it. Um yeah, no, I kinda agree. I just I think the books is it's just so heavy, much heavier to yeah. me. And it just puts more impact yeah. on it. And I think it it really shows what maybe not the political situation is, but just how Westeros is. I mean the Hound, not until season, until book three, I believe, he doesn't, there's no punishment for this, you know? Like, yeah. he kills Micah, and it's just like, all right, that happened. But, I mean, really, was
1: punishment necessary considering he was doing what he was charged to do? I mean, I mean actually, not necessary in the realm yeah. of, of right and wrong and justice, but, like, in the end, his his honestly masters but his his commanding people whatever Mm -hmm. asked him to do something and he did it like he was
0: just the thing is i don't i don't know from what i feel like let's ignore like justice and all that Mm -hmm. um i don't know like he basically is like yeah he ran and he didn't run fast enough so i killed him and it's like okay you didn't need to kill him (laughs) yeah
2: in the Books, I felt more like he was it was like a joke or a game to him like oh, he God. ran but not very fast but in the show he was just kind of like while well, he ran but it wasn't yeah. fast enough
0: you no, know what yeah. I mean like he, he, yeah in the, in the book he sounds way more cruel in my yeah. opinion it's just it's just really tough <laughs> to be honest
3: mm-hmm.
0: um so uh, my, my last thought I don't know I don't think I don't know if there's anything here but when Ned so Ned says like I'm gonna I, I will execute um lady And Cersei's basically like, whoa, is this like a trick? Are you going to like release her or whatever? And Ned's just like, no, she deserves better than a butcher. You know, I should go do this. And I'm just wondering, um, does that have any connection to Micah being the butcher's son? Like, is there any subtext of him saying like, my daughters deserve better? Like, it doesn't sound very in Ned's um, character. It doesn't sound like he would do that, but... I just, think if, it,
1: just, if the order had been reversed a little bit and if he had known what, Micah, what Micah's fate was mm-hmm. then I think it would have been like super poignant. Mm-hmm. I think at that point he, I think he was calling Ellen a butcher because oh, we already yeah. know how
3: yeah.
1: we already know how Ned views um, execution and how he thinks right. the man who you know, lays down the sentence should be the one who swings the sword. And so at that point I think he's like you know what Robert? Look, you suck. And Ellen you suck too. Mm-hmm. And Like I think it was just his way of kind of like do an underhanded slight at both of them Mm -hmm. Um, and saying, I'm a real man. I'm going to go take care of my business. And
0: like, no, no, I like that answer. The the only reason I brought it up is just because like George didn't have to make him a butcher's boy. You know what I mean? So I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I feel like there's something here and I just can't really see it. And I don't like, like the explanation of Sir and Payne being a butcher. I do like that. And I agree with that. I think it was just, you know, they're both, you know, there's a butcher and there's a butcher. And I'm just wondering if there's something there. I don't know what it mm-hmm. is, but just my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Um, is that it? Anything yeah. else? Well, again, S- go Sorry, ahead. I have one more thing. <laughs> oh, no, 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 do it. <laughs> the, no, only, I won't. Oh,
2: the only other thing I thought was interesting was the similarities between Lady and Sansa and Nymeria and Arya farther on down the road after Ned's execution. Mm. So... In this chapter, Nymeria gets to run away and Lady has to face the punishment. Ooh. And in King's Landing after the execution, Arya runs away and escapes King's Landing. Mm, and poor Sansa's good. left there to fend for herself um, against Cersei and Joffrey. So I thought that was interesting how the
0: similarities are there. No, that's cool. I, I uh, like that. Yeah, so I, I also... Sorry, just gonna bring up more, but like, um, in the in the show, they actually show Arya throwing throwing rocks at Nightmare mm-hmm. to get her to leave. Um, it's not in this chapter, but in the books later, it talks about it was him, it was her and Jory having to do it. And I think that just just puts another you know gold star on Jory's it's list Jory. of how awesome he mm-hmm. is. Yeah. You know, like know. Ima- imagine him just being like, "Look, Arya, we we because I I I, was, I assume it was Jory's idea. He was like, "Look, if we bring her back, she's going to die. Yeah, and I don't think we want that." And that's just another like unseen heart to heart. It makes me
1: so glad that Jory found her
0: instead of the Lance. I know. right. Ugh. It's tough. It's tough. Um sorry. Okay, last one. And I'll be done. Okay. <laughs> this is actually back in the previous chapter. Um, I found it kind of interesting that I, I mentioned this in our in our discussion post. How Sansa goes up to Aria back in, so this is back in Sansa Sansa's chapter, and she's like, you need to get cleaned up. You need to change and we need to go do this thing. And I find it funny that Sansa's telling Arya that and Arya is cleaning Nymeria and is like trying to get the mud out and is like, no, stay here. You need to get cleaned up. You're dirty and muddy. And I just, I just thought it was kind of an interesting, you know, boop, boop, boop kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe that just, that just kind of shows, maybe that just shows like, I just find it so interesting that they're so different. And then you can find these things like, well, they're kind of the same in some ways. And I think that was kind of a little inkling to it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So that's done. I guess there's nothing else interesting to talk about, right?
3: Nope. Nope.
0: <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. All right. So we are moving on to brand three. Now this is the big one. This is brand's very first vision that he has. And it is just a full on acid trip. Um, and that wasn't, that, sure. that, that wasn't in the show at all. So I think this, this is a real beautiful chapter. Mm-hmm. And, and just so you know, it blows my mind that I read this and I was like, this is like three pages <laughs> or like one, two, three, like four pages total, basically. And it just, just kind of blew my mind. But yeah. there's so, so
2: much stuff in there. Yeah. Right.
0: So just, um, I, I just have a very short. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that um just um, just a really quick summary of it cuz i didn't want to go into too much detail um brand dreams of falling from a great height over westeros while a crow urges him to fly brand sees across westeros seeing the members of his family at the cur- at, uh, at the current time that that might be different but either way uh, he looks east towards the shy he looks north beyond the wall and succeeds at flying he wakes up in his bed at winterfell and names his direwolf summer all right <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so start. <laughs> so honestly, like, we're gonna have to read a lot. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're gonna have to read pretty much straight from the book for a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, do you guys just have any introduction, like your thoughts on the chapter? Just right out, out so, of the gate?
1: I have a thought that I wonder if maybe we should establish our perspective on something before we to see if we differ or if we all agree. Um, so it's kind of, um, with coma patients, it is known, um, that time is really, um, skewed when people are in a coma, like Mm -hmm. they can be in a coma for a week and it'll feel like a year, or they can be in a coma for a year and then think that they were asleep for a nap or something. So Mm -hmm. um, the perspective of time is, is depending on the coma patient is is really, you know, it's not literal okay. usually. So, in my my question is in the way I read this chapter and the way I like to view it is that the span of this dream is from him hitting the ground after Jamie pushes him out of the window okay. to him waking up. And so to him, he's falling and that's it. That's all he has. There's the gray swirly mist, he's mm-hmm. falling and he has this interaction with the three-eyed crow, and then he wakes up. And I, I have reasoning where I believe that to him it doesn't feel like months. You know, how, how long are we assuming he was in a yeah. coma? So, I mean, six yeah, weeks or so, yeah. more. Interesting,
0: um, okay, so, so you're saying like, as soon as he hit, his I vision I think he started. didn't
1: have other dreams. He didn't have yeah. other, like, this is it. What we, with the, what we get in this chapter is the extent of his coma time but it feels like this much time to him. But in their real world, it was six weeks or eight weeks or something like that. Um, and like, like a few things I picked up on that made me, other than the fact that I like that theory, um, like he looks down and sees how skinny he is. And it's surprising to him. Mm
3: -hmm. He's of course I'm
1: skinny. I've been in a coma for six weeks. He looks down and he's like, what the heck have I always been skin and bones like this? Um, He sees, you know, he sees Rob in the courtyard and he's like, whoa, is that, you know, is he playing, is he using real steel? Like he sees his family in situations and it's not, I mean, it's it's not
0: fresh. It's not.
1: not, Yeah. It's like, whoa, Rob, check him out. Wow. I'm skin and bones. Um, So anyway, that's kind of how I interpreted it and how I, I, I like that. I like, it kind of, it kind of makes it even weirder. The fact that Mm -hmm. it's time is kind of relevant to him while he's in this coma falling while he's falling because from, from the, I don't think he realizes he hit the ground. I think it's just falling to him.
2: Well, I think I agree with that because he, even as he's waking up um, when, well now summer comes over to him, he's like, is that my wolf? Like it's so big now, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So it's like, he doesn't understand how long he's actually been. And He still says, but I never
1: fall. So he, I don't, Mm -hmm. Um. Another thing that's that's consistent with trauma victims is a lot of times they remember what happened before the trauma,
3: Mm -hmm. but they don't
1: remember the trauma itself. Mm -hmm. And so, in his mind, at this point, he still has not hit the ground.
0: That's true. No, I, I do. I do like the thought of like he doesn't realize he. You know, he believes he hasn't hit the ground yet because, especially like when he does wake up, you know. He, he's, you know, well, I, I don't know. It could just be a natural, like, he's mad what happened. He's shocked at what happened, that his legs are broken, that he's crippled for life. I, I Honestly, I didn't even think about, you know, intense in, in terms of time and when this vision started. But that's a really interesting thought that you, you got me on board. <laughs> I, I, I like that. Because much-
1: he was like, oh, well, you know, I think he realizes he's in a dream. But mm-hmm. at the same time, he he's like, well, I've never hit the ground before. I've never fallen before. Like this is a first time for me. He's not like, well, here I am again. That same old falling dream I have. Or mm-hmm. this is the right. time I fell from the window. You know, he it, it's all it's all fresh to him. It's all in mm. the moment. Well, mm-hmm. even
0: like even just like the the first few for, one of the first paragraphs that talks about you know Maester Lewin making that clay doll. And throwing mm-hmm. it off the roof. That was a that was a recent memory that Bran had. He right. mentioned yep. that during that the chapter after. before. Yep. So yeah, no, so that could be his memory of like, oh, this is what I was doing up to the point that I was throwing out. I like that. That's a good thought. So- Anyway,
1: I have lots of notes, so don't let me take over. You guys go too. Yeah, let's I can
0: see. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> No, I totally get you. Uh, no, honestly, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just cruising through the chapter, kind of reading down as I go, just because the there's so many events, and I want to make sure I hit hit well, them all. Before you get
1: too specific, um, mm-hmm. flashbacks, I also say that um, I feel like this is real. Like this isn't a dream. I feel like this is really his subconsciousness. That's taking him through the process of realizing who he is and what mm-hmm. his abilities will be.
0: Let's now. I don't. This is just a hard chapter to approach, just because it's so different. It but, um, <laughs> so I'm just. I'm just kind of going through my notes here. Um, I find it really. Um, I like the mention of this gray mist that mm-hmm. keeps coming up. Throughout this whole chapter it talks about this gray mist swirling around him and you know and I remember reading I remember reading a couple um, reddit posts about it I watched a video about it that basically the gray mist sort of represent the three-eyed crow or raven or whatever you want to call him you know looking looking into that part you know like like basically throughout throughout the books if it talks about gray mists it probably means that <laughs> Blood Raven is watching whatever mm-hmm. is occurring at that moment. And I think it's just kind of a cool little like, Hey, this, like, because it's mentioned so much in this chapter, I think we can equate that to Blood Raven. And when that comes up in the chapters, we can think, okay, he's watching right now. Um, I think that, so you got this crow flying alongside Bran. And I, I, I remember reading the part where it says, Hey, you got any corn? And I just, right, yeah. you know, and I just like that is such a strange, weird thing to say, you know, I mean, I kind of get that brand, you know, he was bringing this corn to these crows when he climbed the tower. I'm just wondering if that has some sort of symbolism of like, hey, you need to give me something. You need to give me corn. You need to give me part of your life in order for this to, you know, for this magical thing to occur. You need to sacrifice who you are to get to survive this. I don't know if that's something, maybe it's like, you know, like a tribute to the crow. Like I'm sacrificing this so that you'll save me might be mm-hmm. something there.
3: Yeah.
1: I didn't necessarily like pick it up on that or mm-hmm. uh, buy in. I don't want to say buy into it, but like, yeah, no, uh, it's fine. but I think it's more of just a reference to the fact that they've already they're They're referencing things. He remembers from real life. Like he knows that the crows want corn. He knows mm-hmm. that you know he knows he's never fallen before. He knows that um, Maester Lewin showed him the thing with the clay doll. He's referencing things from real life to kind of differentiate. Like, am I, you know, like he said, like he he's, he spends the beginning trying to differentiate: is this real? Was this a dream? You know, he says, mm-hmm. um, th- it, "This is just a dream, isn't it?" I'll wake up when I hit the ground. He says, mm-hmm. "No, you'll die when you hit the ground." And so it also he says. Are you really a crow? And he goes. What does he say? He says.
0: Um, Let's see.
1: Are you really falling? So. Yeah. Are you really right? Yeah. It's just him trying to establish.
0: Yeah. Right. Is
1: this this, because it's so familiar? But at the same time, I've been. You know, I've been. It says he feels like he's been falling for years. It says that he. You know, he's been. He's or at this point, he's a thousand miles from the ground. Yeah, he's been falling for years. So he's totally in like the, you know, fifth dimension or something, but at the same mm-hmm. time, it's also familiar and also real to him.
0: Yeah, well, well, I think that also plays into, there's a line where um, he says, uh, let's see, what is it? Um, uh, that one, let's see, let's see. The answer's fine. Oh, ba- yeah, Br- uh, you have wings, Bran pointed out. Maybe you do too. Bran felt along mm-hmm. his shoulders groping for the feathers. Yeah. I think that's him like, yeah, like, like you said, the crow's like trying to help him realize like, this is what's happening, yep. and this is something that's gonna happen. And brands like basically trying to like, okay, well, on, let me feel for these wings if they're actually here and let me mm-hmm. see if this is a real yep. thing. Um, well, about the gray
1: mist, I wrote, before we move on from gray mist too far, I wrote something down where I feel like the gray mist is almost representing um history that he's not yet able to. Translate yet. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, he can't comprehend
1: green- it yet. good. Yeah. At that point, but it's all blurry because he doesn't know what he's looking at. It's history, it's the history of the world well, as far back as history goes. But to him, there it's not, he only sees things that he has a point of reference to at this point. So, he's using his green seer abilities, but he doesn't know it. So, oh, it's yeah. all blurry because part of being a green seer is being able to hone in on it and pick out. The parts that are important, and you know, use your enter Google, but at that point, it's all gray mist. Um, and then I like because, and something I feel like kind of um, validates that is he's you know, it's all gray mist, and then all of a sudden, out of the gray mist pops Jamie's face, so mm-hmm. he's able to pick things out right. of it, but for the part is just static.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I, mm-hmm. I like that. They're I static. like that.
1: Static. Um, Yeah, so static do you have is any more... how I translate the swirly gray. <laughs>
0: Do, do you have any more thoughts before we, um, we talk about the whole Jamie and, his, and the memory thing? No, I do not. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the, the, first, the first kind of big moment we have, um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Um, okay. A face swam up at him out of, out of the gray mist, so, which I think that does go along with what you're saying. It's becoming more clear. He's seen through mm-hmm. the mist. Um, Shining with light, golden. The things I do for love, it said. Brand screamed. So it's probably he's attempting to remember that moment. Uh, the crow t- the crow took to the air kind, not that it shrieked at him. Forget that. You do not need it now. Put it aside, put it away. It landed on Bran's shoulder and pecked at him, and the shining golden face was gone. So so Brooke, like, what is happening here? Like what's um, what, what's literally going on?
2: I took it to be as like the past is the past and mm-hmm. and you know there's no sense of of feeling this pain anymore um it just needs to be part of the past you just need to look to the future and what i'm trying to show you right now
0: mm-hmm. i like that.
1: yeah same because okay so for the rest of his visions it's all current time that's the only thing he sees that's the past well other than mm-hmm. the maester lewin and the clay doll thing but again i think he's establishing that from here you know your past, you know, maybe that's why when he wakes up to, he doesn't remember who pushed him because the crow established, like that's not important, right? I'm going to show you some things that are important, but that's not one of them. I also think it's interesting that in two points in this chapter, Jamie or the, what we're assuming is Jamie is referenced as golden and light and shining. Um, And I think it's funny because there are theories, like there are people who call Jamie the hero for mm-hmm. pushing Bran out of the window because the theory is that he prevented a war by silencing this child. It's it's a joke. This is funny because there are people who are like, no, Jamie's the true story of this hero because he pushed Bran out of the window. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, and I'm like, it's just funny that he views him now as you know, he's kind of a beacon of light throughout this. You know, then two different times he references him as golden and light and shining.
0: Mm-hmm. No, this is great. I like I agree. It, it is that memory of Jamie pushing him out the window. And I, I don't know. I think that blood Raven's is basically altering Bran's memory. And he's, he's basically saying, look, that's not important. And he lands on his shoulder. He pecks at him. And I think he all, basically covers up that memory, shoves it so far back that when Bran wakes up, he can't remember it for a long, long time. And mm-hmm. I, and I don't I don't know that. That kind of puts a, I don't know, to me, that puts kind of a, not vindictive, but just kind of a darker side to Blood Raven and what he's trying to do. He's and literally, I don't know if you, want to you know, go
1: here, but you keep referencing the Three Eyed Crow as Blood Raven. And I, for one, do not think that the Three Eyed Crow and Blood yeah. Raven are the same
0: people. So, yeah, I don't really want to go too deep into that right now yeah. that's kind of a whole different topic so yeah just, well, just, just from for-
1: this one chapter the only reason I say that in this discussion is that he says he feels like he feels the where the werewood watching him and mm-hmm. that it looks up and it recognizes him and it's it, uh, he gets a knowing glance from the weirwood tree so personally the way just from this chapter not taking from future stuff that people debate just from mm-hmm. this chapter I do. Um, I think that the three-eyed crow is brand's subconscious. It's his mm. three-eyed ravenness letting him know who he is. It could be brand from the future, you know, like whatever you want to say. The three-eyed crow is great, is brand's subconsciousness preparing him and showing him what your future holds. And then Blood Raven is in the form of the werewood tree, looking up knowingly at him, saying, you know, uh, you know, yes, I'm involved in this too. I see you, you know, I know, you know, I'm preparing for your future as well. So that's kind of mm-hmm. how I interpret it just based on the, the content.
3: From
2: the yeah. No, I like nothing. that because I didn't really have an answer for, uh, you know, the not the acknowledging acknowledging look from the weirwood. So I, I like that. I like that, that the weirwood itself represents the blood Raven being like, yes, I'm part of the story, but I'm not <laughs> here yet. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah.
0: No good. No, thank thank you for sharing that. Just just for a clarification for people watching this, it, like if, we're, if we say Blood Raven or whatever, it all basically means that dude up in the north who's stuck in the tree. <laughs> so right. just so everyone knows that. okay <laughs> right. Um. Okay. So so yeah. Um. Let's see. So there was that. Let's see what comes up next. Um. He's falling. He's falling. He's trying to get him to fly. Yeah. Okay. He so keeps saying
1: I can't fly. Yes, you can. I, you know, you can try, but I
0: <laughs> but I can't. You know, he, right
1: at this point, they're still caught up, kind of in this back and forth of. You know, you saw Jamie, stop thinking about that. That's not important. You need to fly. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't fly. Did you try? You know, don't, you know, he tells him, look down. I love that where it's all caps and italicized. I think that is just like, listen, like, I have something to show you. Mm -hmm. Look down.
0: And then I like, um, and, then, and then, so the next thing that happens is basically brand turns into, a, you know, brand, the satellite. And he's, <laughs> he's basically looking here. I'm just going to read it because I like the wording that it has in here. It says brand looked down and felt his insides turn to water. The ground was rushing up, up at, up at him. Now the whole world was spread out below him, a tapestry of white and Brown and green. He could see everything so clearly, clearly that for a moment, he forgot to be afraid. He could see the whole realm and everyone in it. Um, I especially like that word tapestry in that sentence. Um, I I was part, uh, in, in, in a last, another reread group I was in a while ago, I made a pretty big post about this and I'm just gonna kind of summarize it. I had to kind of read through it real quick, but I find that word tapestry really interesting that Bran is looking down at this world, he sees a tapestry and when I think of a tapestry, I think of this beautiful, gorgeous piece of artwork that people took spend a lot of time into. And one thing that I don't think you could do realistically is unraveling that tapestry and altering something inside of it. Um, Later, later in the books and and later in the TV show, mainly there's some essence of altering the past and changing things. And I think, I don't know. I think that's just this tiny hint that says like, look, what's happened in the past is going to happen. You know, you can't change the past. Even, Mm -hmm. even if you think to, brand going back and, and um, skin changing into into hodor and that's how he became who he is. It's one of those like that's going to happen because you know brand is going to do this. And I just think that's a tiny hint towards that mm-hmm. theory. Yeah. Um did anyone have any thoughts on, on Brand going satellite? <laughs> so
1: I I, mean, I I definitely I kind of wonder if I should wait towards the end to say this, but I think what it I mean, you might want to read some more sections about what all he okay. see before I go into this, but go
0: ahead. I, I, I think it's just kind of also interesting that Bran is basically, he's raising up to almost this sort of godlike status. You know, he's above the world, he's looking down, he can see everything. He can, I just think it's, there's probably some deep, deep thoughts on that that I can't think of because I'm just a tiny person, but, <laughs> but I just, I just, it's just kind of interesting that he's placed into this sort of, Actually, honestly, if you think about it, um, so Bran is raised, this might not make sense. I hope it does, but Bran's raised up to this godlike status almost. He's up above. And if you think back to Bran, what, that memory of him trying to climb up the tower to this golden figure, I mean, it could be, that could symbolize like the fall of Bran. You know, he tried to go up to this golden sort of holy area and he was thrown out of it. I don't know that I guess that kind of makes me think of Lucifer and him falling from heaven, but Mm -hmm. that's just a quick, well, it's it's
1: interesting that um, you mentioned that because I, after, especially after really dissecting this chapter, if George decides to, to land with the same ending we had, you know, again, I think he'll get to it at a different route, but if mm -hmm. George decides to end the books the same way the show ended spoiler alert Bran is king I think that in the last two books you know we all we all agree we needed more meat on Bran's story to get to that ending mm-hmm. I think that George will develop Bran into a darker character um I really do I think it's one of the only ways it makes good sense mm-hmm. um I don't dislike it I don't ever think he would be you know as seen as evil or a villain but I think he will be Fulfilling the children of the forest and the old gods' purpose, and it will require darkness. No, I, so I do hope if he chooses to, to follow the same ending with Bran on the throne, that he will write him to be a darker character.
0: Now, I, I actually 100% agree with you. This one, one of the reasons I, I agree with that is um, if we look at the character of Tyrion in the books compared to the show, in the in the books, after he kills Tywin, he goes down this crazy dark path. I mean, his character changes a ton in A Dance with Dragons. Mm-hmm. And in the show, they really were like, okay, killed his dad. All right, he's sad about it. He's drinking. He about drinks it. in a box. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Now he's fine. He's going to help Danny win the, win the throne and it'll be all right. So I, I think, you know, they kind of lightened up everybody in the show because I think it would be kind of tough to put these, you know, have all these characters end up in these dark, You know, areas in their life in the show. You know what I mean.
1: Game of Thrones is, or Song of Ice and Fire's subgenre, is dark fantasy.
2: Oh yeah. So,
1: like, I really hope that they, I'm going to be all on board with King Bran the Broken, especially if he's kind of this creepy, dark character that's serving the old gods and the Children of the Forest and fulfilling their prophecy. I'm like all about that, so Mm -hmm. I can't wait.
0: (laughs) Right. Okay, so the next section, uh, I'm just I'm just going to start reading stuff just because there's Green. so much in here. Um, Okay, uh, the next paragraph says, he saw Winterfell as the eagles see it, the tall towers looking squat and stubby from above, the castle walls just li- lines in the dirt. He saw Maester Luwin on his balcony, studying the sky through a polished bronze tube and frowning as he made notes in a book. I'm just curious, what do you think he's looking at?
1: I think he is looking at weather patterns. I think it is a winter is coming... Pointing yeah, out. I think mm-hmm. it's a. I think it's a literal. So here's what. My, so as we get into these dreams, I think, or the visions, um, I think everything has a literal meaning and a metaphorical meaning.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, mm-hmm. um, like I have an example of that in the next part, but um, I think this is an example of there's a literal meaning where Maester Loon is just being a Maester and he's just watching the weather patterns like Maesters do, and winter mm-hmm. is coming and that's why he frowned. But I also think. Bran as a green seer and as the future three-eyed raven, one of the things a greenseer has to do is take a dream and look at it for beyond what it obviously mm-hmm. is. And I think that is an example of, I think he's looking at the weather patterns. Winter is coming. He frowns, but winter is coming and you frown, you know, and you're <laughs> right? frown. it's
0: a double, it's the same meaning, but it's different. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. He saw his brother, Rob, taller and stronger than he remembered him mm-hmm. practicing sword play in the yard with real steel in his hand. Now I think this is the sentence that helps us realize that this is happening in real time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yes. he's looking at it and these events are occurring. I don't know if all of them are occurring at the exact same time, but it's, you know, it's, it's not relative. Now to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he saw Hobodor, the simple giant from the stables carrying an anvil to Mickens forge Hefting it onto his shoulders uh, as easily as another man might heft a bale of hay. I never There's picked up another a, one. <laughs> I never picked up I never picked up an anvil, but I'm sure it's quite heavy.
1: But I'm saying <laughs> I think that's foreshadowing for him having the heavy burden of carrying brands.
0: Exactly. Yep. No, no, I I totally agree with that. Um then uh, at the now this is where the we talked about the the, the weirwood looking into the pool it says at the heart of the godswood, the great white weir- weirwood brooded over its reflection in the black pool. It's leaves wrestling in a chill wind. When it felt brand watching, it lifted its eyes from the still waters and stared back at him knowingly. Just, I just want to just, just want to say from brand's point of view, how creepy is yeah. that right. <laughs> 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 pretty much? I mean, I mean, I honestly, if I could make one thing real, in this book it would be a a weird with red leaves and the face and just so i can stare at that thing and just be like holy shit like (laughs) something's scary um okay so the next one he looked east and saw a galley racing across the waters of the bite he saw his mother sitting alone in a cabin looking at a blood-stained knife on a table in front of her as the rowers pulled at their oars and sir roderick leaned across a rail shaking and heaving now, now the next Catlin chapter I think this is also another hint that this is happening now because we get mm-hmm. to Catlin's chapter That's and it talks about this doing. this happening mm-hmm. um, a storm was gathering ahead of them a vast dark roaring uh, roaring lashed by lightning but somehow they could not see it this
1: is my other yeah. example of Yes, it's happening literally, because as you read the next chapter, Mm -hmm. which is Catelyn's chapter, that, I mean, Roderick is seasick, and there's a literal storm, but I also think it is just metaphorical for a storm was gathering ahead of them, a vast roaring, Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm -hmm. lashed by lightning, but somehow they could not see it. Like, I think that's just an absolute metaphor for what's coming, what's waiting
0: for Catelyn and Mm -hmm. a storm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Brooke, did you have any thoughts on that one?
2: Um, I didn't pick up on it until you guys had just mentioned it, but yeah, I definitely, the roaring, um, obviously, the Lannisters, because the lions roar, and just Mm -hmm. the fact that still, Catelyn is still driven by vengeance for her son, and she doesn't see how this is playing into the much bigger storm of chaos as a liar in the realm, so,
0: right. Right. Now, now it's, what's also interesting is the word storm is a lot of times swapped out. George uses the word storm to describe wars. Like, even mm-hmm. in even just his third book, A Storm, storm of, Swords, of Swords, is talking mm-hmm. about the war. So, I think, yeah, that, that's just saying, you know, a war is coming, and you're heading right into it, and you're going to be in the middle of this whole thing. And, in fact, some people will debate that you, you're the one who caused it. So... Yeah, and that, that's a whole other thing. Um, okay, so the next one, uh, he looked south and saw the great blue green rush of the Trident. He saw his father pleading with the king, his face etched with grief. Now, do you think? Do you think that's him pleading to not execute Lady, or do you mm-hmm. think that's? Do you think that happened afterwards, or because it's at the Trident? So I'm assuming right. it's he's seen basically the trial of of Lady and Arya and Sansa and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Um, he saw Sansa crying herself to sleep at night and he saw Arya watching in silence and holding her secrets hard in her heart, holding her
1: secrets hard in her heart. I believe is her starting her list. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm I'm, I'm right. I'm right with you. I'm totally with Mm -hmm. you. I think she's, I think this, 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 I mean, she references back to it. So we know that it's true that (laughs) this is when her vengeance streak basically begins and it could be. This is her first thought. It was like, Cersei needs to die. She Cersei. And then when she finds out Micah is killed by the Hound, he she adds him to the list and basically yeah. like, like some there needs to be some justice, and I'm gonna have to be the one to do it if no one else is yep. gonna do it. Um. Let's see. Okay. So okay. Now this is gonna be a big talk because there's so I, I I've read I have questions. <laughs> I've read so many accounts of what this means. So let's go through these one at a time. So. There were shadows all around them. So right now I'm assuming that they're talking there are shadows around the Starks. So Ned, Sansa, and Arya. One shadow was dark as ash with the terrible face of a hound. So I'm assuming that means Sandor could I, I I've read a couple different responses to what that could mean and I just I just can't see any way around it that it's not the hound.
1: Yeah, I'm, I feel like that's fairly straightforward. As, yeah, as I mean, straightforward as an acid trip chapter can be. Exactly. <laughs> right?
0: And I, I mean, an, another point, just, you know, it does, it says the face of the Hound, which is pretty obvious is you know, that's what, that's what Santa Coyne is named. But also the word, um, let's see, where was it? Um, Terrible. Um, one shadow as dark as ash. Two meanings to that. Um, later in the books, his armor is actually described as the color of ash. Mm-hmm. And the second part, that could relate to his burn face. His
1: fire mm-hmm. experience.
0: Yeah, there's yep. that, that fire around him. So that could be another hint. So I, I'm pretty confident in saying they're talking sure. about the Hound. Now, let me ask you th- this. So um, it's kind of um, insinuated that these shadows that are surrounding them are, like, tormenting them, are going to be a native mm-hmm. impact on them. How do, like, and we, But the thing is, we know that the Hound has a – has a decent Im- positive impact on Sansa and Arya's life, just because he turns into almost like a mentor for them and saves them in certain situations. Um, like how does the Hound, how does the Hound negatively affect him, the Starks? Do you think?
1: I think it's just kind of in this moment, he's seeing them where they're at. Mm-hmm. And in oh. this moment, that's a, that's a dark shadow in their life at the moment, because mm-hmm. You know, Sansa was physically affected by being mm-hmm. disturbed by him. And Arya obviously, you know, she's gonna have pretty quick have a pretty bad taste in her mouth about him. I think just where they're at in their moments, like this is what is what these are their current demons. And that's why I have a question here in a minute.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. I'm excited. Okay. So the next one Okay. Another was armored like the sun, golden and beautiful. Now, Brooke, Brooke, what do you think?
2: Oh, see, I was—I'm um, kind of trying to bow out a little bit because I took this way differently than everybody oh, else. Oh no, okay. So We
0: need the input. So yeah. This is good. Um, let me think. Here, let's sit. Let, I—I read your post and I loved it. And uh, why? Well, let's let's save that until we get to the end of this. Segment. Yeah, that's
2: kind of that's why I was trying to just bow it, out until It kind of covers time. all. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, so Madison, what do you think?
1: So, I, I, okay, at first my mind wanted to call this one, uh, well, I did, at first glance, I wanted, I went to Renly just because of how impressed Sansa was by his beauty and how he was like a celebrity. Um, <laughs> but I really do think it's Jamie just because he was golden and shiny and the Lannisters are having more of a shadowy impact on their
0: situation. I think it's Jamie. Yeah, so, But yeah, my I big did-
3: question. Go on, because
1: I am super confused about the next
0: one. Okay, okay, sounds good. So, so in terms of it being Jamie, so that's definitely my first thought. I I remember, I I remember my first thought was Jamie at first, but then I was like, oh wait, but that person had to be there. So I originally thought like, oh maybe it was Sir Barris and Salme. His armor is described as white and glowing, and things like that. And then I was like, no, that no, that doesn't make sense. It's probably Jamie. Because the thing is, yeah, even he was just still there, even though he wasn't referenced, yeah, Jamie, yeah. Chapters, he
1: was definitely there.
0: The other thing is, if you go back a page, when we go when it goes to that memory of him being pushed out the window, mm-hmm. it says, um, "and the shining He's golden face was gone." Yeah. So that's another. You know, Jamie's described as golden twice. He's also described mm-hmm. that way throughout the books. Um, Shelby did bring up another thought process of it that I liked. Um, she she said, "like okay, I think it represents Cersei," which I think could be an alternate thought. And the reason her reasoning was that. The crow basically said, "You need to put the, this memory of way, away." Yeah. And when it comes to my to my thought of of him altering Brand's thought process, maybe that took Jamie completely out for a while.
2: Can yes, you guys hear me? I can't see my face anymore.
0: Oh, I, I can hear you. And yeah, see we you. can
2: hear you and see you.
0: Oh, oh no, not anymore. <laughs> oh no, she's gone. <laughs> Wait, what happens when the host leaves? Oh my gosh.
2: I don't know. It still says we're live.
0: Yeah, I can't hear or see her now, though.
2: No, me neither. No, okay. that was a- Sorry.
1: Okay. no, I'm back. Sorry. No, you guys are good, unless I have to physically end this thing for oh, it okay. to go away. Oh,
2: okay. Um, okay. No, my that, screen that, went that,
1: black that, on my end, but we're good.
0: That was just a very <laughs> ominous, like, can you see no! me? No! <laughs> okay. so, so, yeah, Shelby's thought process, which I thought was a really good way to think about it, was that when when, when uh, the three-eyed raven, based, or blood raven, uh, told Bran to don't think about that memory of Jamie, that it sort of took Jamie out of Bran's mind. And mm. so that Cersei could represent, I don't know, I think Cersei mm. could also represent it. They're twins. They're Aren't both they one and the same? Brother yeah. Brother, basically. <laughs> so that's another alternate theory. I still think it is Jamie just because, well, I don't know. I guess Jamie and Cersei both have huge impacts on the Stark's lives. Um, Jamie does big time. I mean, he, he basically confronts Ned and, you know, you know, you know, basically breaks his leg, you know, and that starts this whole huge process over. So that's just an alternate. That's another thought process, I think. Okay. Um. Okay. So here's the third one, the third shadow. And there's a, there's a wording in here. I want to ask you guys about, okay. So it says over them, both loomed a giant in armor made of stone. But when he opened his visor, there was nothing inside, but darkness and thick black blood. Now the word that I'm curious about, it says, over them both over them both loomed a giant. So is the giant overlooming the previous two shadows or is he over, over the overlooking starks. the starks? That's and what, then that's also because who we don't know who is it. Yeah, we don't we don't know who them means. We yeah, don't know who so. it's referenced. In mm-hmm.
1: order to figure out who this giant in armor made of stone is, we need to mm-hmm. know who is he looming over? Yeah. So, um, the, the, because at first I was like, well, obviously the mountain was not there that we know of, uh-huh. but it kind of sounds like a mountain because they, you know, make him sound like a mountain, but I, the, I don't think it is because it doesn't make any sense. So like, again, so, that, to me, that's where my mind first went to, but then I was like, ah, I just discredited yeah. myself because I don't like it.
0: Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> um, So the way, the way I think about it is this. So if the, if the word them is referencing the shadows, I think it could be the mountain just be, just because it could, this could be the moment that Bran is, he's not looking into the now. He's now looking into the future. He's looking Mm -hmm. into something that could Mm -hmm. be coming. Now, the reason that it could be that people are most generally, most people think it's talking about the mountain. Um, Just to go over it real quick a giant that's pretty that's pretty self-explanatory armor made of stone there's yeah. a, there's a line later on where um he's putting on his armor and basically they talk about it being so heavy that no man could ever wear it besides mm. him
1: so that um, actually would make it will uh, make a lot of sense in Shelby's theory that it would be Cersei represented as the golden because the mountain loomed yeah. over both <laughs> yep. Cersei and and sandor
0: you know what shit that is really good <laughs> oh my god
1: <laughs> that is, No, that is seriously but really why is it relevant up. to brand
0: okay well well here just i just want to let me finish my thought real quick so and then it says but when he opened his visor there was nothing inside but darkness and thick black blood now that so is gross. Probably the, so that is most likely referencing Ooh. whoa brooke we lost Oh, uh, most like likely, that is that is referencing um, when the mountain is raised from the dead by Kyburn. Um, okay. And it's that black blood in him; he's not alive. Yeah. Um, there's actually a big theory that people believe that Sandor he has a helmet on that they can't see his head, and people believe that he doesn't have a head. So that would referencing mm-hmm. opening the visor, and there's nothing left there. But black blood, and I get that, and I, I, I I'm mm-hmm. all on board. Except I just I'm not convinced why that
1: is so relevant to Bran at all like yeah, not right. only just to be shown in a vision but for his storyline mm-hmm. at all so or the, even uh, any of the starks really right yeah, well it's,
0: it's true cuz the mountain doesn't really have a like he has some effect on the starks because he he is you know ned sends out his, some of his personal guard to go kill him right, and execute right, right, him right. basically but it's true he doesn't have this it's giant that's why on it's
1: him. weird to me that it's noted
0: in this chapter yeah so the alternate theory of who this person is, is that it's Littlefinger. And part and the the, the big like crutch of the theory is that, um, L- uh, Littlefinger's great grandfather, when he was knighted, he took the sigil of the head of Bravos as his sigil. So it's so the, the Titan, oh no, the Titan of Bravos, that's what it's called. So the Titan okay. of Bravos is this giant statue that overlooks yeah. Bravos. It is a giant. And while Littlefinger does change his sigil later on, he's still related to the ba- to the to House Baelish, which that is yes. his sigil. Mm-hmm. So that could be it. I'm not. Uh, I can't remember how they brought in the armor of stone, but the darkness, the thick black blood. It could just be a reference to they. You know, Littlefinger has such a giant influence on the stars, mm-hmm. right? Without, right. W- without them even knowing it. Yeah,
3: like,
1: it, it seems more far fetched in. Text, but in mm-hmm. context,
0: it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Does that make yeah, sense? Right? Yeah, right. No, I totally agree. So I th- I think that is a possibility. Uh, like I said, I can't remember where someone made sense of a sense of the armor made of stone in terms of Littlefinger, but I can't remember okay. at the moment. Um, but yeah, like nothing being on the visor meaning that because the thing is, as far as I remember, Sansa is the only one who knows that Littlefinger killed John Aaron, basically. Mm-hmm. Like no other Stark knows that. Right. So that could, so I think that's the other alternate theory. I remember when I personally first was reading this and I realized that it was in time. My first thought was that it was ill in pain. Because right. I was trying to think of like no okay, head. Yeah, that, he that's, that's a thought and and he, he had that effect on Sansa, totally freaked yeah. her out. I don't know where the armor of stone goes in with him, but I just but, had a thought that the, uh, maybe a
1: connection for the Peter Baelish armor of stone. Okay. The the Erie is his armor of stone,
0: like that's
1: yeah, because and, see, that is kind of his his armor is that he has the backing of Liza Aaron.
0: Yeah, that could and be, and the it. Eerie... Um,
1: grammar of stone, yeah. in my opinion. I mean, I mean, it's yeah. a mount. It's built into a mountain.
0: It, it also could strengthen the giant reference, as the Erie is literally this giant of a castle. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It over. It's I mean, probably. I think it's the tallest castle around, or at least right. it's at the highest elevation. I mean, it, it's so, a mountain. I mean, so that could be it. But I, I'm not going to lie. You you just changed my whole th- thought on the golden person being Cersei now, because I think I. Because I think that's Give totally the credit to sense. Shelby, because I mean. I, I will. I, I'm probably going to message her this. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, yeah, I'm like 90% believing that now. So, all right. I'll pro- I'm probably going to make a Reddit person. Next paragraph. Okay, next paragraph. <laughs> so, he lifted his. Oh, no, no, no. no. Brooke, Brooke. I want to oh, hear your thoughts. Thank on this. you. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I. Because um, you had a totally different thought.
2: Yeah, so I yes. totally went completely different. Um, Because it was, we didn't exactly know who the shadows had surrounded, I really Mm -hmm. latched on to the giant looming over. And the thought that the the one shadow who is dark as ash and the one shadow who was the the golden sun is just the fight for the iron throne oh. it's you know it's like one versus the other and then over top of that all is the threat of the of winter and the night king and that's the real game so where you know well, because yeah. the starks if if the starks are the shadows are surrounding the starks the whole world right now to brand is the Starks. Like, that's that's his whole world. So the fact that this giant shadow is looming over top of the other shadows that are encasing the sharks, to me, is like, right now you're being affected by the political game, but you don't realize the real end. Yeah. Game. So, I mean,
1: I have a little soapbox at the end of these visions <laughs> that ties in pretty well with that. I just never made the connection with that soapbox and
0: this thought. The yeah <laughs> yeah
1: so i'm 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 on board with that too sure <laughs>
0: like, all right P- pull out that soap soapbox you want to do it now or do you want to wait till later
1: <laughs> no i want to wait till later because i want to get to the end of what the three-eyed crow is
0: showing him okay all right so let's move on to the next one it says he lifted his eyes and saw clear across the narrow sea to the free cities and the green dothraki sea and beyond to base Doth- dothrak under its mountain to the fabled lands of the Jade Sea, to a shy by the shadow where dragons stirred beneath the sunrise. Okay, so. question.
1: <laughs> uh, okay, answer. Um, why a shy? I'm a little confused here because everything else is representing real time, but Dan- Danny is nowhere near a shy. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe he is just remembering stories um, of legends of dragon eggs and stuff from like no. Maester Lewin, Old Nan, because not only does Danny not. I mean, our dragons aren't quite on the radar yet,
0: other than, right. you know,
1: hope so, But also, a shy on the map is not
0: where Danny is, right? So, um, my only real, my only true thinking pro- for that process of this is while I think Illyrio is lying, Illyrio does state that he got the dragon eggs from a shy. That's okay. where okay. he okay. tells her and says, mm-hmm. Yes, these are from the fabled lands of a shy. Okay, okay. I, I personally think he's lying, but that's a whole other Where
1: thing. do you think he goes? <laughs> Sorry,
0: never mind. Um, we're not talking
1: about
0: it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a long thing, but yeah. So, we <laughs> just the quick summary of it is that these dragons were in Westeros the whole time. Vera stole them and then got them to Illyria. Okay, so, yeah, we'll I'm on, bo- on board there. Yeah, um, I'm not really sure what it means to be honest. I don't think I honestly don't think there's any other dragons other than Danny's,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, due to the fact that later in the books people talk about magic basically being reborn right. when the dragons came. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if there was dragons right now, then this powerful magic would be in, be on the world right now. And it's not. So I, I don't have a strong, I don't yeah. have a strong thought on it to be honest.
1: Yeah. Um, I just, I thought it was interesting just because everything else is like, as it's happening real right? time. And yeah. then, and this is one that kind of seems more of like a, yeah, I'm not, no, it's, just, it's just different.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's almost like an aside because most of the paragraph is just like, oh yeah, he looked over there, and oh, by the way, there's dragons, but whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, whoa, yeah. hold on. Okay. Um, okay so, so
1: my... I mean, I'll read this if you want me to, this yeah, no, um, no, paragraph. The,
0: the next one, yeah. Do you want
1: me to read the whole paragraph?
0: Um, yeah, yeah, let's just okay. go, just do the whole thing.
1: Okay. Just, okay. So it says, finally he looked north. He saw the wall shining like a blue crystal, and his bastard brother, John, sleeping alone in the cold bed his skin growing pale and hard as the memory of all warmth fled him. And he looked past the wall, past the endless forest cloaked in snow, past frozen shore and the great blue white rivers of ice and dead plains where nothing grew or lived. North and north and north he looked to the curtain of light at the end of the world and beyond that curtain. He looked deep into the heart of winter and then he cried out, afraid, and the heat of his tears burned his cheeks. Now you know, said the crow, whispered as it sat on his shoulder. Now you know why you must live. Why, said Bran, not understanding, falling, falling, because winter is
0: coming. Dun, dun, dun. So, can I have my soapbox now? <laughs> can I have oh, yeah. my soapbox?
2: Soapbox. Cool.
0: Um, so, wait well, here. Um, uh, just, Go ahead. I, I just want to throw something real quick. Um, when it talks about John, um. Okay, so this might tie into the previous previous one. When um, yeah, it talks okay, about we'll John, start. he's uh, his bastard brother, <laughs> sleeping alone in a cold bed, his skin growing pale and hard as the memory of all warmth fled from him. This could be a foreshadowing to his death, and you know, because that's basically what's happening to him. It sounds like he's dying, basically, and maybe that that helps with the previous paragraph saying that hey, we've moved on from the now and we're scooching into the future. Okay, so. So who knows that that could connect to maybe maybe Danny ends up in a shy somehow or more dragons show up there. So just just a little little tidbit there. But anyways, okay, pull out that soapbox so, and jump on it.
1: This is a, a I'm I'm calling it a soapbox because it's gonna probably be a small tangent, but th- this chap- this paragraph the, that line right there sums up why. So much of season eight was so frustrating to people because from the very beginning of these books, George told us, look at everything that's happening in Westeros. Look what's happening with your family. Well, first of all, look what happened to you. Not important. Mm -hmm. Look what happened. Look what's happening to your family. Look what your mom's doing. Look what your sister and brother are doing. Look what your bastard brother's doing. Oh my gosh. Look what's happening in Essos. But guess what? What? none of that matters. I'm Mm going to take you, I'm going to show it to you, but I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to soar you back over everything. I'm going to take you back North, but we're not stopping at the wall. We're soaring past it. We're soaring past everything living. We're soaring past and I'm going to show you something and it's going to scare the shit out of you. Mm -hmm. And it's going to snap you back into reality and make you realize that none of that matters. I'll Mm -hmm. show it to you, but I'm bringing you back because This is what I'm showing you. Now you know why you must live. Because winter is coming. That's the whole point of these freaking (laughs) books. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) From the prologue to bringing it right back here. That's it, you guys. There is stuff going on. There's political stuff going on. There's, you know, Cersei and there's whatever. All this stuff is happening. And it's relevant enough for me to show it to you. But I'm going to whip you back around faster than you can say. And I'm going to show you what really matters. And all that stuff, you you noticed it, but none of it scared you. None of it made you cry. Like mm-hmm. the horrors I'm about to show you. Mm-hmm. Right. And that to me is just like, that's what the story's about. The story is about winter is coming. And winter is a metaphor for death. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there's my soapbox.
0: Well, and <laughs> I, No, honestly, I... I can't even add anything to that because it's 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 just beyond truth, <laughs> right? That, especially in terms of season eight, how it not handling that very well. So, mm-hmm. but let's not let's not. Yeah, get well, too that's angry not the here. point of right now. But I'm just <laughs> yeah. Saying let's that not that get that is, too angry. At that. Maybe, that maybe we can and when people
1: we'll don't episode. understand the frustration. It's right. like well, maybe you should read the books because yeah. it was set up from the beginning that this is the plot line that matters.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I get that now. Reading <laughs> this like because I watched the shows first like I get that now like they did make a point of mentioning it in the show how like it's the overlooming threat of everything but it wasn't focused upon like it was basically forgotten mm-hmm. in season 8 which and I get the disappointment in people now like right. it it makes sense to me
0: so um I- I'm going to try and make this this quick um so part of the reason the way the story is laid out, how, cause a lot of people believe that, Hey, they should have done the fight with Cersei and then ended with the night with the white, with the white walkers. And th- that's a whole other thing. We won't get yeah. into,
1: but we can have that show someday, but yeah. yeah. But,
0: but one of the, one of the reasons why it, let's say George lays it out like that. One of the reasons that he does, he wants to do that is because um, it references back to Lord of the Rings, how in Lord of the Rings, there's this giant fight for middle earth and it's this epic climax And in the movie, so good, but um, basically, so in the in the movies, it ends after that fight and everything's fine. In the books, it actually continues onward, and Mm -hmm. like Frodo and Sam, they all go back to the Shire, and the Shire is basically under attack by Sauron and and the orcs, Mm -hmm. and they're destroying this. And it's basically saying, like, look, just because the big fight happens, doesn't mean everything's over. And no, I didn't need
1: it to be last to clarify, but
0: yeah, it's like. It's just like you know, terrible things are are, are going still to happen, happening in the world. Still happening. Right. It right. does. It doesn't all end in this big climax. Ends over.
1: Right. And I think
0: that's what George is tra- was trying to shoot for. Mm-hmm. Like basically, yeah. we're going to get rid of the big bad guy, and it's like, look, there's still stuff that we need to deal with. And it,
1: no, and know. I get that. That that mm-hmm. doesn't right. That the sequence doesn't have much to do with my frustration.
0: Yeah, which 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 I totally I understand that. That was just the the sequencing
1: isn't the problem. But no, I no I I like the reference to I always like a good Helm's Deep reference,
0: right. Um. All right, Brooke, did you have a thought? I, I just don't want to keep running over. It.
2: <laughs> no, no, you guys are fine. Because being, I know you guys think that I'm like you're kind of excluding me, but being a first-time reader, it's just as much fun to listen to you guys as it is to talk with them. <laughs> okay. <yourself. laughs> okay, so
0: I'm I'm just gonna put it on you. If you, if you got something to say, I want okay, you to stand I'll up and say in. it. Okay. <laughs> yep. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. This part I think is just, this is so cool because I, I I missed this my first couple of reads. Bran looked at the crow on his shoulder, and the crow looked back it had three eyes and the third eye was full of terror of a terrible knowledge grand looked down there was nothing below him now but snow and cold and uh, snow and cold and death a frozen wasteland where jagged blue white spires of ice waited to embrace him they flew up at him like spears he saw the bones of a thousand other dreamers impaled upon their points he was desperately afraid now this just I Don't know, like this dream just went from like whoa, this is getting serious to dark as
1: nightmare, nightmare. Yeah. It's crazy. So, yeah.
0: so, so, what's happening here is this is the way I see is basically those thousands of people, dreamers dead down there, are basically people who Blood Raven has tried to bring right. up.
1: Yeah, because in and, his cave there
0: are bones. Well, okay, now what's interesting so, about that <laughs> is. So the thing is this, okay, if just like the just like he says, if Brand falls and hits the ground, he is dead.
1: And that's a He's, choice. I think that's a literal choice. Mm-hmm. I think if Brand said no, I don't want any part of this, I'm scared, I don't want to fly, I think he would not have I think he would have died and mm-hmm. he would not have woken up from his coma. So that is an yep.
0: actual choice now, he made. Now think about this. So if there's bones in Blood Raven's cave, that means that there are dreamers who said yes. Survived the stream, went to him, and still died. Mm-hmm. That is what blows my mind. Well,
1: and that's why, at least I, in my head, that's how I don't it works. think the show did a good enough job explaining that Bran was the most powerful three eyed raven of all times. Right. They didn't right. do a good job <laughs> depicting that. And that is another mm-hmm. great point to that, was that others have tried and mm-hmm. did not succeed. And again, I don't know why they murdered his character like that, but they did. <laughs> they just
0: don't like Happy, happy They don't happy like people.
1: they don't like their us. I don't think.
0: Anyway. Well, okay, and then I mean just also think about how many people have has he I mean it's, I mean what it says bones of thousands of other dreamers, plus the yeah. people who probably said yes and died in his cave. Mm-hmm. Now here's another thought also. This doesn't relate to the show because you're like like I said at the beginning, you're on Greyjoy is completely different. But there is a big, big theory that Euron Greyjoy is actually he basically had this experience that Bran's having. He said yes, and then he went rogue. Because mm. in the books mm. he he references his third eye. His sigil mm. on his boats is a third eye. And yeah. we'll we'll get there when we get there, but mm-hmm. it's it's a big
1: interesting. Thing,
0: right? Um, okay. Let's see. Uh, he flies yeah he chooses to fly he chooses to fly brand spreads his arms and flew um let's see i'm flying i've noticed i've no okay no i i did like this part so now so i'll just start reading now brand the crow urged, choose fly or die death reached for him screaming brand spread his arms and flew Wings unseen, drank the, the wind and filled and pulled him upward. The terrible uh, needles of ice receded below him. The sky opened up above. Brandt soared. It was better than climbing. It was better than anything. The world grew small beneath him. I'm flying, he cried out in delight. I've noticed, said the right cr- crow. And just that line, I've noticed... I feel like that humanizes the crow. Mm-hmm. You know, I can almost imagine him with like a cigarette, just like, "Yeah, I noticed." You
2: know, <laughs> Man, I've, I've seen. I've like seen I this. told you, that would happen. Yeah, like,
0: I, I've, I've had so many yeah. people do
1: this. I like it too in the beginning, where he's like, "Are you really a crow?" And he's like, "Are you really falling?" You know, like <laughs> I think the crow is pretty witty. I like the idea right? of having a cigarette hanging out of his beak. Um,
0: <laughs> okay, I, I want to share. Um, I want to share a, a, a Reddit comment that I that I found. Um, just yes. just just for credit, um, a, prof- a professional kvetchor is the guy who commented it. So he said, uh, maybe coincidence, but when Bran is falling, he sees jagged spikes of ice with the bodies of thousands of people impale, impales pails uh, on them. When he begins to fly, Martin writes that, quote, the terrible needles of ice receded below him, which was in that line I just read. Mm-hmm. Needle, the weapon of Arya, uses, uh, uses in her bloody campaign against all who have wronged her. And Ice, the weapon used by Ill and Pain to kick off the War of the Five Kings. I feel as though Martin deliberately chose these words um, to have the icicles represent not just an imminent danger to Bran, but also the, com- the coming bloodshed that will end their lives, the thousands. Interesting. Hold on, I got to convince my wife to stay on.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> oh trust me my husband's like where the hell are
0: you <laughs> right now yeah we'll be wrapped up soon we're we're getting close to it but yeah i just thought that was kind of a cool like i, I yeah. don't know i don't know if it's really there but yeah just just specifically using the word needle they're definitely
1: they're word. definitely words that george likes
0: oh he does mm-hmm. it's the best i I love he, he, he has favorites that he uses <laughs> Okay, so then um, Bran felt a sudden blinding pain in the middle of his forehead between his eyes. That's him opening the third eye. Boom, right there. <laughs> and then, and then uh, Bran wakes up. Um, he see, Let's see. Um, the crow opened its beak and caught at him a shrill scream of fear, and the gray mist shuddered and swirled around and ripped away like a veil. And he saw that the crow was really a woman, a serving woman with long black hair, and he knew her from somewhere, from Winterfell. Yes, that was it. And so he wakes up. The gal he's groggy and at more. that and point yeah. Oh, yeah he's just groggy yeah. and um and then and then see the last two paragraphs it says and then there was movement b- beside the bed and something landed lightly on his legs he felt nothing a pair of yellow eyes looking at into his own shining like the sun the wind the window was open and it was cold in the room but the warmth that came off the wolf enfolded him like a hot bath uh his pu- his pup brain realized or was it he was so big now, which is you mentioned that before. It mm-hmm. you know keeping him in that time in the timeline, basically. Uh, he reached out to pet him, his hand trembling like a leaf, so on and so forth. Bran looked up calmly. His name is Summer. Mm-hmm. So, why do you think he named his dog Summer? His direwolf Summer. So I wrote something down, but Brooke, if you want to go first, um, let me, yeah.
2: I had just I had just put down that um I think. One, it's like a like a symbol of hope. Like, you know, mm. there's all this darkness. And then after feeling terrified and everything, summer now Summer was able to come and, like, kind of, like, push those worries away and make him feel the warmth again. So, you know, summertime. But also, just what is the opposite of winter? It's, it's summer. It's the light. It's the dawn. Mm. And the fact that Bran, which are their dire wolves, take on the... The personalities and the characteristics of their owners. Bran basically is if winter is coming and brand is the opposite, then what is brand? Well, brand is summer. He's Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: is the, yeah. So, yeah, yeah it could mean brand is the hope right. for the world. Right. Yeah. Madison, did you have anything? To add yeah, yet?
1: basically the same thing. I said that summer is what keeps winter at bay, and summer is the opposite of winter. Summer winter is a metaphor for death, therefore summer is a metaphor for life. Summer saved brand. And Mm -hmm. Bran will save, you know, Summer saving Mm -hmm. Bran is essentially what Summer saved the realm. Everyone (laughs) saved the world by -hmm. saving Bran. So I think he just realizes that, you know, if the Night King is winter, then he is Summer and he has a purpose. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, since the direwolves take on the personality and are kind of a a wolf embodiment of the Stark children, then Bran is um, a metaphor for Summer.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: my sweet summer child yes
0: mm-hmm. um let's see the the, only, the one of the last thoughts i have um of what i just read it says um it says the window was open and it was cold in the room but the warmth that came off the wolf enfolded him like a hot bath now to me that that sort of has a baptism sort mm-hmm. of you know, um, sure. reference to it mm-hmm. yep. that Bran is now, you know, he went into this coma, he's coming out as a totally new, different person. Yep. Mm-hmm. And just that sort of symbolism of, you know, transitioning into something different.
1: This is um, real quick, something I forgot to mention earlier. I thought it was interesting that um, the Three Eyed Crow told Bran over and over and then beginning to stop crying, or he mm-hmm. was going to cry. And he's like, don't cry. And he's like, I didn't say cry, I said fly. Like he mentions it a few times. And um, I'll pay attention as we read forward, but I'm pretty sure that's the last time we saw Bran show any emotion.
0: <laughs> that that's a possibility. That's
1: mm-hmm. a possibility. I mean, obviously, you know, when when Theon you know, sieges Winterfell, I mean, it's he shows some emotion over that, but I think it's interesting that it's kind of like the end of his innocence and in his childhood. Like you're not here mm-hmm. to cry, you're here to fly.
0: Yeah, right? Yeah. <sighs> How you guys feel? <laughs> I feel lighter. i <laughs> <laughs> then
2: carrying that around. I know, right? I
0: need to let it out. Good. Awesome. Um, yeah. Do you guys have any any other thoughts? I mean, just great chapters. I mean, seriously, yeah. this this I remember when I was writing I feel out like this the this re- is the true beginning. No, so when I was writing out the reading schedule, I was like, okay, the next two chapters. Oh damn! Like that's gonna be a <laughs> that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a doozy <laughs> yeah, read. It I
1: is, think. and honestly, <laughs> next week is gonna be really fun because we get to meet um, Littlefinger and Varys and Picel and be so we get to go to King's Landing for the first time. So I am super excited about next
3: week. Me too. Yeah.
0: Me too. Well, hey everybody, um, <laughs> the people who joined to watch us, thank you for joining us. If you guys have any questions you wanna wanna ask us. Um, You can send a personal message to me, Brooke or Madison. We're all in the Game of Thrones Addicts Facebook group. Um, Yeah, that's that's about it. I think this was a really good video, guys.
1: Me too. Um, It was fun. It was. Well,
0: all right. Well, let's um, let's all get some sleep, and then we will. um, (laughs) We'll see you guys next Sunday, and we'll be doing the next three chapters.
3: All right.
1: Bye. All right,
0: guys. Bye, guys. See ya. Bye, bye. night. Night.